plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are back. Uh, I had an awful week at work last week. Uh, this week's been going great, though. Thanks for asking. And we're here to talk magic. We're here to talk maybe some spoilers, but we're most importantly... Here Matt, to, how you doing today? Uh, we're Cantrip Cartel. We're not just back. <laughs> they know who we are. Eh, it was know. literally you who said, people know who we are. We don't have to do that anymore. They know. Yeah, and then I changed my mind. Uh, okay, thanks. Yep, you're welcome. Um, no, I'm doing all right. Uh, I had a fun weekend. Um, so this weekend, I so I got a smoker like 10 days ago. And so this weekend, this Sunday... I, uh, yeah, where's my, my smoked meat? I thought you were smoking a shoulder. I smoked a pork butt on Sunday. So, like, it's upstairs in the fridge. Where is it? I, I, I just not, told you where it is. You did it's, not offer me any delicious smoked pork. Nope. Funny thing it. is, we're almost, it's almost out. Because basically, we just, we yeah. had it, it was done in the, uh, like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. So, we had it for dinner. And then we had it for yeah. dinner yesterday. And my wife, who's a fantastic cook, made some homemade coleslaw, like cabbage salad. Um, and uh, some macro baked macaroni and cheese. So we had some like traditional barbecue sides along with some really good pork. Uh, and then while that was cooking, I managed to dip my toe into Warhammer 40k as far as like a yeah, uh huh. I haven't messed around with the tabletop or anything, but there's a game called Warhammer 40k Inquisitor Martyr, and uh, it's on the like PlayStation Plus thing. So I started messing around with that. And it's very similar to, like, for anybody who played the PlayStation 2, like, Baldur's Gates games, it's very close to that. It's, like, in between that and, like, Diablo 3. So, like, there's more going on than the Baldur's Gate games, but it's still kind of in the... Yeah. It's not quite as deep or complex as, like, a Diablo game. It's somewhere in between. But it's just, like, full of Warhammer lore. And I was like, wow, I really am enjoying this. Like, I'm watching the cutscenes and I'm listening yeah. to the dialogue. And I'm like, this is really cool. That's what started to draw me into Warhammer. Um, while the, the story behind Warhammer is pretty fucked. And, it like, Warhammer is a, from what I can tell, Warhammer is a contest of who can be more fucked up as a society. But, like, this, like, it's a very well thought out story and lore and the... Uh, a lot of the groups have compelling uh, goals, and it's, mm -hmm. it's it is interesting. It is really interesting. Yep. So I've been doing that. The uh, um, the video game takes place. You play as an inquisitor for the Imperium. Those are the humans, right? Yeah, the one faction of the humans. I think they're technically speaking, there are different factions to some degree, especially now. Like I'm still learning all this stuff. Oh, Apparently, yeah. currently there's um a giant pseudo civil war. Um, in either ninth or 10th edition. So like from what I understand, the Milky Way has been effectively split in half. So only half of the galaxy has the emperor's guidance uh -huh. and the other half has descended into like civil war and whatnot. Isn't the emperor like dying or dead and he, no one knows? So from what I understand, he is... Bad news, guys. No magic this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, you'll have to forgive me if we have any Warhammer experts because I'm definitely not oh, yeah, one. we're I'm, not. <laughs> I'm halfway through my first book. Like yeah. I've been listening to it on Audible and I do really enjoy it. So I'm getting in. So don't bite my head off. But, and I've been like kind of browsing some wikis and whatnot to try to get a handle on this. Um, from what I understand, the emperor uh, effectively sacrificed himself when earth was invaded. And now he's, his body is kept alive on the golden throne and they have to like sacrifice a bunch of 
psychics every day to keep his mind alive. So his mind is still functional and it's still doing what it would do. Cause like apparently it's only his psychic power that allows them to use the warp and like guide their way oh. through space. So like without him, the Imperium just collapses. Gotcha. But he is like physically just fucked. Yeah. So um I'm actually so I don't know to what extent the novels are considered canon. Uh-huh. If it's only Games Warp Workshop that's canon or what, but I'm reading Horace's Heresy. That's the first uh book I'm I'm on the first book of that trilogy. And it's uh it was kind of throwing me off because like I didn't even know what exactly I was reading. It's just I looked up, hey, what are good Warhammer books? Yeah. And I picked the start of a a series because yeah. I didn't want to pick like book two or whatever, right? Yeah. And the whole time I'm like five or six hours into this audiobook, and I'm like, man, we have not encountered any of the like bad guys, so to speak. This book is literally about like that. So they're on their crusade. Um, so the emperor has bailed, not in a bad way, but he's gone back to Earth and left one of his primarchs to continue the crusade. They get to a planet and it's um Horus is the Primarch, and they get to a planet and they encounter the warp for not the first time from Horus's perspective, but the main character's perspective. And it was actually one of the few times in a book where I was like, ah, that was a little creepy because it was like getting his his perspective, this guy who's like, they're literally bred to be fearless. Like they don't even feel fear. And he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> the first time he sees, because he sees one of his, uh, one of the people in his squad transform like he gets infected by the warp and just like physically transform in front of him and it goes around like killing everybody and whatnot. I'm like, huh, nice. So, so the ground, the ground is laid very clearly on what this is. And yep. And it's just like, I don't know. It was, it was really cool. I'm really enjoying the book. Um, I've got a few friends that play Warhammer. So what did, what did, what's his face say when you text him? He had, he had a funny oh, tag he was like, if you feel the pull of the chaos, God, let me know. Yeah, like so yeah. Um, and he listens, so he'll know that I'm talking about him. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm considering dipping my toe into the Warhammer, uh, tabletop thing. The funny thing is I actually, there's been on and off. Apparently they, they're not very well received, at least like broadly speaking, but there's tabletop RPGs as well. Okay. And that was the first thing that popped into my head. I know tabletop, I know like the, the strategy game is very popular. Yeah. It's also super expensive and like, the painting mini some people would enjoy. I, I tell probably you, will, but I'm not really like dude, if I could buy pre painted pre painted armies. I would. Um, you talk about you don't say expensive. People that play Magic, it's normal. Yeah. Oh, and that's I I've said that many times myself. They're like, oh, my army costs like two thousand bucks. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> and that's like that's like a that's like a tier one Delver deck too. You can also just play Warhammer for like six hundred bucks, right? And have yeah. like and have like a good Pioneer deck. Correct. So like the the money itself isn't it's more the time like if yeah. i if i end up painting it then i'm like okay well now i've got these things and if i don't enjoy painting it then now i'm stuck yeah. with a bunch of great figures that most people aren't going to want to play against and like so there's a lot of like you in my opinion it's more difficult to half ass warhammer than it is to half ass magic yeah. like you could very easily be a popper player like a, literally play the format popper and just be fine with competitive popper and it would cost you 50 bucks yeah like in theory yep. now most people don't do that because magic in general is a pretty good game and most people who kind of dip their toe in get sucked in yep so i'm kind of looking at this like do i want to go down this road so or not 
I have enough connections at the Sage Shop, which I haven't mentioned in a while. By the way, we are not sponsored by, but the Sage Shop is my premier card shop of choice. They do have online shopping, so check them out. Uh, Sage's Shop in West Lafayette. Um, I have enough connections that I could, one, we could borrow armies and play. Because I've kind of thought about it and I've talked to people. And two, what I what I bet we could get happened is like get some like some stand in figurines and play a match or two and see if we like it. Yeah, because I thought about getting into it as well as a hobby, just something to do. The painting was I I, I mediocrely enjoyed the painting. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually probably would actually enjoy the painting more though if it was standardized, which I was painting minis like for D and D and just for silly stuff. And everyone's different. I'm trying to be creative and oh, what would this be cool? Whereas that's like, it's an army. Just paint all the shoulders blue, all the legs red, all the capes blue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd probably enjoy that a little bit more because by the time you get through like three of them, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. And I'd be, I wouldn't be opposed to trying it out, but that would, I'd probably have enough people that I could get us in like to play a game or two without, because I mean, in, in reality, it's the same thing as playing D&D. Like we can play Warhammer with scraps of paper. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And we could do it and it'd be just fine. Um, but I, that's not the point, obviously. So like I get that aspect of it because I I didn't get into it because I told you this story. But at the time I was thinking of getting into it, I reached out to a community and they said and this might have been because they play like the the person I asked, like plays like nationals in Europe. But he's like, well, you kind of need to you kind of need to pick the faction colors and go with there's a few different options, but you need to do the color schemes. And I was like, well, I fucking hate the color schemes. I liked the um because I, I I thought the uh, like the the purple and white they're like sexy Amazonian whatever like they're like evil women or whatever but it was like it was purple and white or pink and white and I'm like I don't like how those look mm-hmm. I don't want to do that and he kind of hit me like the well he's just kind of need to stay in kind of line with it and I was like well I don't care then right but I've now heard from other people that and presumably as long as you're playing your local F and M no one gives a shit do whatever you want and so if you got into it I would be willing to dump. I've seen a lot of those starter kits that are like, they're like between 15, 80 bucks for like 10 minis for a small miniature army. You know, you throw 30, 40 bucks at paint and some brushes and I'd be willing to paint up a small army if you were going to get into it to try it to actually, to actually try it. Yeah. Yep. That's the other thing I considered. And I know Warhammer 40 K people are pretty violently split on this is basically proxying. You can effectively 3d print the figures. Now those aren't legal for tournament play in the same way that magic cards, proxy magic cards aren't legal, but for just l- learning the game and seeing if I like the yeah. game, I think that would be another approach that would be, you know, you just get one of the files. I know nothing about 3D printing, but you get one of the files, print out an army in a couple days, and then play the game, see if we like it. And at most, you're out a- 10 bucks in plastic. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's something I've considered as well. Um, but yeah, it's it, if I I don't tend to do things like I'll I'll like try stuff. And if I don't like it, I just bail. But yeah. I don't tend to... The stuff I actually do and stick with, I don't tend to half-ass. Most of the time, it's either no. I'm doing this or I'm not. Yep. And so, like, that's kind of one of the things I'm worried about is, like, am I going to be... In five years, am I going to be one of the Warhammer guys? <laughs> the only downside, and I mean, like, the legitimate downside to Warhammer is there's not much cashing out. Yeah. Yeah, there's not... No, I not, mean, and, and you can. Gonna... Like, the, 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 the miniatures have value. Those are the expensive ones. Like... Like your big giant ones actually have value. Like yeah. if you paint a D and D, yeah, because they're like a hundred bucks a piece or yeah. more. And you, if you paint, if you do a good job painting a big blue dragon for D and D, that's worth money. But your your eighty five monster minis are worthless. Yeah. Whereas, like the thing about magic is, I can always for the for the fee of like thirty percent of the cost to cash out. 
And you don't get that with Warhammer. No, nope, it's pretty much you're pretty much stuck with whatever you buy. Um, but, but if you do a decent job, you can also just display them. Like that's the other yeah, kind of like they are art. I do very very minimally collect like action figures and whatnot, like uh-huh. incredibly minimally. But like because you've seen like some of the Ninja Turtles stuff yeah. I have. Like I'm not big into it, but I do like a couple things. And so that would something I thought about doing as well. Um, one of the things that would be cool. And no one will know this except you. Is I've got the perfect table for it. Like you I do. could have like an amazing, just like because nobody's down here. Nope. I could just have like a semi-permanent battlefield yep. set up on that table. I watched the recent <laughs> South Park episode. Yep. And like you can just leave it on the kitchen table for a week. Yep. And it can just stay there. And like I mean, I I would love an excuse to come spend more time over here. Oh, oh yeah, that's something. The funny thing, and I know that I know the game is set up so you can do this, but like the. The interesting thing to me isn't so much the battles themselves. So like it's just a, it's a strategy game. I'm sure it's a good one. I'm not going to I'm not knocking it, but I played a million strategy games. The cool thing to me would be like taking the strategy game and having kind of twisting it into like a blend of a D&D. So like you have a storyline that you kind of play through and then the battle as opposed to, you know, you and your guys on pen and paper playing D and D you go into a dungeon, so to speak, you go, okay, time for the battle. And it's yeah. like, you know, me and two guys, we each have our armies and then like a DM that's DMing, like, you know, so you have three factions of the Imperium versus like one giant chaos army. And like, that would be really cool. I'm sure I've, I've, again, I'm brand new to this, but I've seen mentions of like story play and whatnot uh-huh. on the, tabletop strategy no, no, game no, matt your fun is wrong <clears throat> well i'm but I'm like just... that kind of yeah but that kind of thing that sounds that sounds way more fun to me than like hey you pick your army and i pick my army and we have a death match yeah like that would that would be fun to learn and it'd be fun to do if you like built a new army and you want to test out its capabilities but like at some point you're just gonna be like yeah we're playing because I... you don't have infinite numbers of battlefields on the small scale those look kind of boring to me whereas like i have my 10 piece army you have your 10 piece army but once it, I bet what is amazing, it just even if it was just a fight, is when you have like thirty minis versus yeah. thirty minis. You have you've got like six battalions, <clears throat> or and battalion might be a might be a keyword, but units, whatever. You have six units and you have three groups or whatever. I don't know, but you have you have huge these huge battles facing each other. I bet that would be once you're you know what you're doing like when you know what you're doing. It's crazy fun just to have this huge complex like I'm gonna shift these guys over to reinforce the flanks. I'm gonna push these guys forward into the cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. They're gonna die, but that's okay. They'll break an opening. We can get in. And that's kind of what I was thinking about, like having a couple people do that, and then you could either do two on two or like like I said, if you're doing a story mode where you have like a DM where it's just like he's basically like if you were gonna DM, you play the warp, the chaos faction, and then we're trying to like you know, fight you off in a giant battle. Yeah. And it's, you know, me, you, and, you know, a couple of our friends. Yeah, find someone that wants to come play. Just like, giant battle. Because, like, like, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I'm, that'd be the best way to learn, is small, and, like, yeah. and escalate the size, right? Absolutely. But just playing small points value games doesn't seem very interesting to me in the long run in the long run yeah it, that would quickly like we, I, we play magic because we like the complexity yeah and warhammer is very complex and i'd like to see that complexity ramp up to where there's i mean there's legitimate complicated decisions of like what is the correct line here push forward flank left group up should we spread out and try and put do, should we try and do a hammer should we you know do we do we is there a weakness we can exploit like mm-hmm. I, I can see a lot of fun in that kind of stuff and like 
I thought about it and I fell out of it. I fell out of it partly because I kind of got salty about how I'm not allowed to paint the colors I want to. Or I thought, I mean, obviously I'm allowed to, but like I thought the community might look a little down on me. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to jump into a community and have the first thing be like, oh, you didn't paint them purple. Okay. I mean, you can do that, I guess. And uh, this was somewhere around the time I, I kind of got into that and I started picking up Pioneer. And then Pioneer kind of filled that time slot of just like, I need something to do with my time and learning a format and building a community, which community successfully built, I might add, took up that time. Yeah. But I'm, like I said, I'm not at all opposed to throwing a few hundred bucks at getting a set that I kind of like with some basic bitches and spend some time painting them some relatively simple colors and seeing what happens. Yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, that's basically basically my weekend. I smoked some meat and played. I swear to God, I thought you were going to say smoke some weed. No. <laughs> when you nope, said I, I smoked some. <laughs> I don't smoke weed. No, I don't. I just, I was like, <laughs> that's how I was just like, Matt, you don't smoke weed. Nope. Sure don't. I'm like very, very sober. <laughs> yeah. I like, I don't even drink anymore. Yeah. I, I haven't. I've. Funny thing is, I've actually been high more times than I've been drunk. That's yeah. how little I drink. That's how. Yeah. You've never drank very much. I've been. I think I've been drunk three times. And only one of them I would consider like actually drunk. Yeah, like I I went out with uh, for my brother's birth, uh, bachelor party. Oh, okay, and yeah. we didn't do anything like wild or crazy, but like we just drank all we, night. We went on a bar crawl. Yeah, and that was one of the times that I got really drunk at work once. <laughs> Whoops! Oh, were you were you leftover drunk the next day? No, what happened? And I won't say where I worked. Yeah, because I don't want to get anyone else in trouble. Of course. And this was this was literally over a decade ago, so it doesn't matter. But so I was at work and we lost power uh-huh. and we thought we weren't going to have power for the rest of the night. Yeah. But our boss made the district manager made us stay in case the power came back on. Yep. So you guys said, fuck it. We said, fuck it. We sent one of the guys over to the liquor store. Yeah. And then about half the people there smoked. Yeah. So I was mixing the two of them. So everyone's fucked up. And then the lights come back on. <laughs> Boy, weren't there egg on your faces. And so, like, I go out to the car with my actual boss to smoke, and then I come back in, and I'm taking shots, and then I just kind of, like, came to doing dishes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, I just look over, and I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And he's like, oh, how's it going, man? <laughs> just, like, scrubbing the dishes in the back. <laughs> What a fucked up night. Yeah, oh, it was great. And then I was just like, hey, dude, can you drive me home? Yeah. Like, because even then, like, like I'm a pretty responsible person, even yeah. when I'm drunk. Yep, me too. So I'm just like, yeah, dude, just we're not doing that. Home. No. Yep. I, I'm like, dude, I don't even know where the fuck I am. You remember the bar we used to go <laughs> hang out with and get wings? Mm-hmm. I went drinking there one night with some friends, and you were where I used to live. Yeah. I had someone drive my truck home. Yep. Because I'd had a few too many to drink. Can you imagine driving drunk through that parking lot for that <laughs> for that car dealership? Yeah, drove through a car dealership. <laughs> and you're just like, I made it home fine. And then you get ding, the ding, next ding, morning, ding, ding, ding. you look at your truck and it's just like got 15 Blue different colors. Blue and red and green and white and black. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah and I was you unwilling. You to like the cops knocking on your front door. Like I wasn't hammered, but I was definitely kind of drunk and I was unwilling to drive my truck yeah, literally it's... a thousand feet home. It's... It's so stupid, and I'm not yep. here to like moralize or anything, but it's just so fucking dumb. Yep, it's very high risk, very low reward. Yeah, what's the reward? You save ten dollars on an Uber. Yeah, I mean, like even let's say hypothetically your your car gets towed, you save a few hundred bucks. That's like you save a few hundred bucks and the inconvenience of getting your tar your car out of a impound, right? Which and, sucks. But the 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 other the reverse of that is you go to jail. Well, I mean, the worst thing uh, you kill somebody or yourself. Yes. Like, yes. 
And that's a very real possibility. Yeah, you so. fucking cause an accident, kill somebody, you get arrested, go to jail, potentially lose your license. There's a there's this to like wrap this up. There's a movie called The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Have you seen it? I know of it. Okay. So there's a scene in there where these guys drop quaaludes, which is like a drug from the 80s. I don't even think they're made anymore. I could be wrong there, but I'm not a drug expert. And they don't think they're working. So they keep taking them. <laughs> oh, so it's like the edibles. It's <laughs> yes, like, yeah. And then they all hit. Uh-huh. And the way it's portrayed from their point of view is great. This is a real, this is a perfect movie, ma- movie magic technique here. So they like, they get in the car and they kind of like, you know, grandma at home and they make it home and they're like, we made it. And they, they literally had to crawl to their car. They can't even walk. Yeah. And then the next morning comes and it shows their car and it's completely destroyed. Yeah. Like, Where they were playing bumper car all night and didn't realize it. Right. Yeah. Oh, we got home safe. No, you didn't. No. <laughs> you weren't that's even how, close. That's how fucked up you were. Yep. <laughs> Don't do drugs. I, I, if you're going to do them, do them responsibly at the very least. <laughs> I mean, in 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 hind, or in the absolute, you probably shouldn't do drugs for the most part, but at least do them safely. Anywho, so do I get to talk now? Uh, unless you just want to talk about Warhammer more, no. <laughs> so, um, what I did that I had a lot of fun. I went to TCG Con this weekend. Uh, no one went with me. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Sarah. Welcome. Matt was busy. Sarah had to work. I was smoking and smoking a pork meat, butt. smoking a pork butt, and playing that Inquisitor game. Um, but I went down. I ended up going O2. As the Discord knows, I went. I went O2 with Rot Priest. Uh, the Rot Priest Summit combo deck I've been building. Um, it has gone the way of most new brew combo decks that started off with a super linear, super refined combo package that was super inconsistent, and then and and super powerful. And in an attempt to make the deck more consistent and thus more reliable, lost too much of its power, and now it just sucks. Yep. So. Um, I've given up on that being a good deck, which, I mean, shocking. No one else is playing it. It's probably not good. But I had a lot of fun brewing it. I'm back on Rakdos in some form. Um, but while I was down there, I actually made a huge, like, level up moment for me. Uh, I get way too salty playing Magic. I take it way too seriously. I get way too competitive. And while I am relatively good at never, like, pointing it at my opponent, because it's not their fucking fault. That's just being an asshole. Like, you're getting mad and you're mad at your opponent because they beat you. It's like, that's not your fucking fault. Their deck did good. Yeah. Um, I do get really salty and really mad. And I, I walk away from tables and just kind of go chill out, relax, blah, blah, blah. I did not get mad. I, I got my teeth kicked in twice. It was totally cool. Didn't care. Had a fun time. Was telling jokes to my opponents. Just kind of was able to keep my head level this time. And it happened again on mon- actually on Monday where I got my shit kicked in a couple times. And I was like, eh, it's whatever. So I'm slightly leveling up as a human being. Where I can just not get angry at dumb things. Well, and the biggest thing is from a magic perspective, that will really help you yeah. going forward. Because like the number of times you just lose a game and get tilted. Yeah. Like, I mean, the thing is that only hap- that only has to happen once in a tournament yep. for you to just be done. Yeah. Well, like not like my next game is going to be much better. Right. So it's just like if you can kind of keep yep. the shields up from the salt. Yeah. Then uh, it does really help your performance when you're playing like lots of rounds of magic. Cause you're going to, even if it's just games, like you can, you know, if you beat somebody game one and then they beat you game two, if you get tilted off that game two, what do you think your odds of win? your odds of winning go down in game three? Yeah. And all you've done, you haven't even lost a, a round yet. You just lost a game of magic. Yeah. Or you, you know, you got land fucked or whatever. And I know yep. I'm preaching to the choir here, but like, that's one of the things just for anybody who still deals with the salt, so to speak. Yep. You just have to accept the fact you're going to lose more games. 
Yeah. Like you know, By not, a lot. That's you're getting like I don't mind I don't mind as much losing games. I what I say is I hate not playing. Yeah. And like I just not play there's a decent amount of times I just don't play. And I like just gotta get used to not playing magic sometimes because yep. sometimes that's the that's their deck strategy is for you to not play. And sometimes that's the universe's strategy is for you to not play magic this game. Yep. Should have shuffled better. Yeah. So <laughs> Um, but I had, a, I had a great time. I had a lot of fun. I got to do a mass. I did another kind of mass purge of my collection. I've been working on Tati over the Benthic Druid for, for, I kind of thought of thinking about it. And I was like, oh my God, I've been working on this deck for like four years now. Yeah, it was Dominaria. Um, but I am working on foiling it out. I'm down to the last, I was down to like the last like 25 cards or so. I traded in about seven or $800 worth of stuff. Went on a huge shopping spree, bought eight cards. <laughs> I traded in a stack for almost a thousand dollars, and then bought eight pieces of cardboard, but made some really cool additions to the deck. Really enjoyed that. Um, and I splurged and bought myself and my wife a gift for us that I've wanted for a long time. And I'm going to give a shout out to the person I bought it from because they make good products, in my opinion. Um, but I bought some nice leather play mats. They're really, in my opinion, well made, beautiful. They smell really good. It's nice thick leather. It's really soft. It lays really flat. Um, I've seen them online before. And I don't, for anyone referencing, they the professor had a video from a company that made them. Theirs were a bit more expensive than this person's. Uh, they're a larger company, though, so they have overhead. And they were, the ones I've seen him use are a lot thicker and a lot stiffer. And so I'll see him, like, unroll them, and they kind of look like a foil magic card. Mm -hmm. They're kind of curled a little well, bit. Well, that's just the flavor. The Yeah, the edges don't lay nice and flat. And where these are a lot suppler, a lot smoother, um, in my opinion, a lot more fun to use. So... They are loot goblins. That's with a Z. They're handmade leather play mats, among other things, probably. They had like deck box and stuff, but yeah, L-O-O-T-G-O-B-L-I-N-Z. They're on the internet. They're, they're that name everywhere. They're on Twitch. They're on... Yeah, I Googled him. It looks like he has a, a an Etsy shop. As an Etsy, yeah. So yeah. like, I I like his product. Um, I've had it for literally four days. So, you know, grain of salt it, but I like it a lot. I did get to go to my card shop and I was, I was the envy of everybody. Everyone was touching it and smelling it. And Matt, you got to see it today. What's your what's your honest opinion on it? Yeah, seems like I I don't know that I would play with one, but I think they look cool. So like you had mentioned that he does a he had a Lord of the Rings one. Yep. With like the map of Middle Earth. Yeah. And that really kind of like excited. Like I'd probably get that and like hang it somewhere or As something like, like that. Piece. Yeah, just some yep. just something that's kind of cool. Whether or not I would play with one, I, I don't know. Like if I bought that Lord of the Wing Rings one, I would try it and see yeah. if I liked it. I haven't played with one. I don't know if I would like it. I'm not yeah. saying I wouldn't, but yeah, I wouldn't give my I, Well, I, it seems well made. It looks cool. I don't I haven't used one yet. Yeah. So I can't give my endorsement as far as that goes. I played um one of these days well play <clears throat> magic, I'll let you use it. I played three rounds of Pioneer with it and I like not once there wasn't one time that I realized I was on a leather play mat, except I would smell the leather. Mm -hmm. You'd be playing magic and you would smell leather. And I like that. But there wasn't a single time that I didn't realize that it wasn't a traditional fabric play mat. Yeah. So that's why I would say I would say um, there was no difference gotcha. in my perspective. But I love I, I was really I really enjoy getting to get it. Um, I'm going to throw this guy under the bus. I paid about 75 bucks for these. They're they're premium products for sure. A play mat. You can get you can get a cheap play mat for 20 bucks. You can get a nice, cool art play mat for forty or fifty. So his his prices ranged from fifty up to like two hundred and ten for like the hyper primo with multiple colors, and he stained it himself or something. I don't know. He's painted it. 
Um, but the general, the general gist of what I saw there that was the quality that I was interested in was in that seventy-five to one hundred dollar range. Mm-hmm. But for a high quality premium product, I recommend him. He's a veteran. If that matters to anybody, I just like supporting small business. That was why I enjoyed supporting about it. But yeah, I rec- I I'm really I really enjoy getting to have it. I'm my wife. I of course I bought. I found two I liked, <laughs> so I bought me one and I bought her one, and she fell in love with it right away. So. Highly recommend them. Had tons of fun at TCG Con. Super glad I went. Got my shit kicked in. I'm on Rakdos midrange now for Pioneer. <laughs> so, so, so what that got, means is got, got stumped so hard he switched decks. <laughs> yep. Uh, I did hear a story while I was there. We're thirty. It's gonna be a longer episode, but we didn't put an episode up last week. Of so they had a modern event the day before, and some pe- a lot of people were there talking. And literally, it happened where somebody left the modern event and sold their Amulet Titan deck. <laughs> they just walked over to a vendor and vended it away. And I'm like, yeah, no, just because you went O2 doesn't mean Titan's a bad deck. It's nope. still a tier one deck in the format, bud. Yeah, it's perfectly playable. Sure is. But yeah, that happened to somebody, but not to me. No, I, I still had the deck, but I've kind of admitted that it's not a competitive deck. And I'm on to Rakdos Midrange, which, Matt, what would that mean to our patrons and our subscribers and our listeners if I'm going to commit to playing Rakdos Midrange and buy into Rakdos Midrange. Well, I know what that means to me, and that means that something from Rakdos Midrange is about to get banned. Yeah, so whatever you do, do not... If you were thinking about buying Rakdos Midrange, give it another two months. Yep. Jake has a pretty good track record oh, of yeah, I do. picking up decks that get banned shortly after he plays yep. them. <laughs> so now that I've ordered the vast majority of the cards for it, which luckily I had 90% of it because I have Rakdos Sack, yeah. the expensive ones at least. Well, in Pioneer, most of the expensive cards are just your mana base. Yeah, no shit. So, but I I would be very careful buying into Rakdos. Um, but yeah, I had a I had a really good weekend. I had tons of fun. I haven't gone to many of those cons like that, and I want to go to more. I had a lot of fun just walking around looking at shit. Um, I don't have a good segue from that. So thank you to our patrons. Uh, I try to get a funny segue every week, and I couldn't think of one. But fail sh- just super like huge. on Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> it was segue. Sunday. It was Sunday. Sunday. Gotcha. But yeah, it was a, it was pretty bad. Oh, that's why. So you texted me. That's right. That so what had happened? I was planning on smoking that pork butt on Saturday. Sorry, uh-huh. patrons. Um, I was t- planning on doing that on Saturday, and we had it was supposed to like storm all day, and then of course it didn't. Mm-hmm. So like I was like, well, I don't want to be smoking outside in a, storm, in a storm, so I'll push it off till Sunday. And by then, I basically had committed to I need to do this. Yeah. So like, because you had thought you said you kind of wanted to go. It had been fun just yeah. to walk around, and it just yeah. You were like busy. if if I wasn't busy, I would have gone. Yeah. Like I would I I don't know if I would have played, but I would have gone. Just to be there and see yeah. the stuff and go- walk around and and I mean I you're not you're not like me where you're not purging collection, but you could Yeah. You could there's cards I need I could get rid of. Yep. So I anywho, gotcha. I didn't mean to no, like actually interrupt, but that no, it, that reminded me like I was like I know I was didn't... smoking the pork butt the day that you went. Yeah. And but... I was like, which day was it? Yeah. Anywho. So anyway, thank you to our patrons. Uh, if you want to become a patron, cantrip cart or uh, patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. Uh, no matter what you do, you'll get into the Discord, hop in there and chit chat with us. We actually are we're getting uh, semi regular games going where like I know Mono Wolf tried to get some Commander going. Commander seems to be a little harder to get four of us on at once, but it makes sense. Like I put the call out for Modern, and me and Emperor were playing Modern like twenty minutes later, and uh, Emperor kicked my fucking ass at Modern again. Shocking! Yeah. He's really good at Modern. But shout out to our patrons like Emperor, who puts our stuff on Reddit every single week. Ramblin' Rogue, Ashley, Eric, Mono Wolf, Ethan, CJ, Nate, Asphalt, Ted, Mumble Down, Rob M, Limited Questions, and Winter, who uh, did get her playmat. Although, since she's local, uh, it's a little easier for us. She did request we sign it. So, 
we got some signatures on there. I'll get it back to her on Monday for uh, Pioneer, but they're super excited about that. And uh, you should hop over there and grab a hold of some sweet, sweet merch or just some generic tiers and get into the Discord or get into those extra content hours we put up every single week. Most every single week. <laughs> they always follow an episode. Yeah, except when Jake bails because work is hard. I <laughs> had a rough week. Yep. Even though we didn't, even though we're light, I still work. I went into my sat my Friday, which was Saturday, but I worked. I went into it with like thirty eight hours. I spent probably ten hours last week waiting in a car doing nothing. Yeah, which is which is way harder than just working. Told you, didn't I, I tell you? <laughs> I'd rather just work. I, that's what I've been saying yeah. since August. It's like, hey, actually sitting around is great for like an hour. Yeah, when you had like. I didn't have anything to do at work. To, I actually got denied taking a run because my boss didn't want me to leave the way yeah. I was. And I was just like, but I want to go. She's like, I know you like driving, but like, I kind of need to stick around here. And yep. I was like, there's nothing to do. She's like, yeah, but there could be. Yeah. So like, I'd I didn't do anything from 11 till three. And I'd then much rather just work. Right. <laughs> so speaking of work, Matt, how's legacy looking? Uh, so we've got a legacy showcase qualifier. Yep. So big tournament this week, big tournament, although numerically there's only 15, um, entries in here. So we do not, we're not going to really be able to draw a whole lot of conclusions from like, as far as broad trends go, other than just looking at like what people are playing a little bit, like the, the metagame summary and whatnot, not going to be nearly, so as... it just didn't get scrubbed correctly then. Uh, I don't know. Cause there's no way there was only 15 people in the showcase qualifier. I don't know the rules to get into them. So in theory, there could be, I guess, um, but uh, we're, no matter what we basically, we basically have a top eight to look at. Yes, we do have a top eight. Now, one of the things to keep in mind is while there are not, there's not nearly as many people, at least the data we have for, you're going to recognize some names on here. So we've got Juju Bean 2004. We see all the time. Yep. Archon, Bryant Cook, McWin Sauce, like they're Hank the Obese. Yeah. Very consistent legacy players. Yep. So this top, the we have the top 15. Um, the data we do have, we've got some very real players here. So, <clears throat> speaking of which, Juju Bean 2004 brought it home with Jeskai Narset Days Undoing Control. This is thing. barely Jeskai. This is barely Jeskai. I know, but technically it is. And Blood Moon, that's at least a red. Blood Moon's a real red card. It is a real red card. Pyroblast is a red card, but like Pyroblast, everybody runs Pyroblast. Yeah. Blood Moon's a real red card barely but yes yeah so it's like this is blue white, let me think about little r this is it's blue white it's blue white control ish blue white uh to jump the, jump the whatever it's blue white days and doing but it has enough it has enough of that blue white mana base with basics to support a blood moon in the side yeah and we i mean this is how little red there, there's one mountain and one volcanic yeah like it's, it's, I mean, it's a blue white control that's literally like when I was running Jeskai Control, I, I had blue white control that flat splashed in for Jeskai. That was literally the mana base. Was one volcanic, one mountain. Yeah. So as far as the list goes, we've got two creatures, uh, one whole creature for the combo, and one Merktide Regent because duh. This is Merktide. Um, four. We got eight Planeswalkers, four Narset Parter Parter of Veils for the combo again. Three Teferi Time <laughs> Raveler. Uh. Because duh, yep. <laughs> like a lot of these cards are just more, more egregiously designed cards. Yep, just like hey, look at all the you know insanely broken planeswalkers. We can just run all in the same deck. Then well, it, one way you can look at it is like oh look, one sided effect, one sided effect, one sided effect. Yeah, and a two mana six six, and then two mana six six or <laughs> eight eight or yeah, yeah. it's right in. And then one wandering emperor. 
Um, then we've got the traditional, like this list looks, I mean, it's blue white control. So you got brainstorm, ponder, prismatic ending, swords, counterspell. Yep. Counterspell, we see kind of. That's the spiciest card here is yeah. one counterspell. Then two days undoing. Remind me, is mana drain banned? Yes. Okay. Uh, it better be, or counterspell's real bad. Because mana drain's just better. Yeah. Oh, by the way, did you see? I got a uh, I got a foil mana drain. Yep. And it's like the promo with like Jay standing in like a space with a sun flare around him. It was like, I remember when I was going through the cards to get for Tatio, I was like, I probably can't afford that. Fucking good. <laughs> you give enough shit away, you can get Throw it. away half a binder, you can get one. Oh, it was more than half. Oh, it was, that was, the binder was mighty light when he handed it back. Cause he was, so I handed it to him and he was like, cause I, I saw, I told, cause I took two binders. I took my trade binder I carry every day to Pioneer, which is just everything in there for the most part is like, I don't give a shit. That can come and go. And I also, just in case, I took my, my playables binder, my legacy modern and Pioneer and lands binder. Where like if I get close and I, I I'll ditch some fetch lands, I'll ditch some expensive cards if it means I get what I really want. Yeah. And so I handed him the first one and I went, This is the binder I don't really care about. Anything here is good to go. And he said, I can have any everything in here. And he I said, sure. And he just went like take, 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 next page, take, 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 next page, take, take. He cleaned that oddly enough, didn't take very many red cards, but he cleaned that thing out. Cool. Yeah. Well, hey, free binder. So you know what that means. Time to start buying packs again. Ugh, no, that's just like the gotta, last thing it I means. Fill it up. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. You still owe me a pack. I owe you. I owe you a, 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 a collect- bat pack yeah, or whatever it's called, a, a, or a collector pack. I'll trade. I'll, one, I'll, whatever one of those. I, forget. I owe you thirty dollars in sealed product, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anywho, back to this. Basically, we've got the blue white control list. Um. With two days undoing. So they're not even super hard on the combo. Uh, you'd run, nope. like, a lot of these lists run Narset anyways. Yep. So, like, at that point, you're like, well, you know, throwing in a couple days undoing to just occasionally win the game for free uh, seems worth it. And I don't disagree. Uh, lands dude, pretty stock. One Mystic Sanctuary. Dude, I maintain this deck's primary win condition is scoop. Like, that's this deck's primary way. Like, the like plan A for this deck to win the game is for you to give up and scoop. It's for you to get days undoing and then just not, then just be like, cool, well, they have a full grip and I have zero, yep. and I have no cards. Go to and game two. Yeah, cool. Game's over. Like, if you make this deck kill you, it'll take a while. Uh-huh. I, that, to me, fundamentally, is why the Merc Tide's in there. It's just, yeah. like, occasionally you do have to just win the game. That's like you're one of Jace. Yeah. And it's just, then it's quicker than Jace. It is much quicker than Jace. Is like occasionally games like decks like this go to time more often. You know what I would legitimately most other decks. entertain running over that Murktide Regent is in a deck like this is Octavia Living Thesis, which is a card that I was super high on that no one else really liked. Um, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's like eight blue blue for an eight eight with ward eight, but it costs eight less if you have well, it doesn't pair well i guess with living it or with that spell then days undoing. it co- it costs 8 less if you have 8 or more instants and sorceries in your graveyard so <clears throat> it doesn't give you the you don't get to like say like oh there's 4 so it costs 4 less let me pull this card up you have to hit critical mass and yeah. then it just costs 2 8 blue blue and for an 8 8 with ward 8 um it costs 8 less whenever if you have 8 or more instants and or sorcery cards in your graveyard which I didn't realize that, yeah, Days Undoing kind of fucks with that. But it has Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, target creature has base power 8-8. Eight, eight. So in this deck, doesn't that that second part doesn't really come into it very often. You make your like, Wandering Emperor tokens huge. That's true. You can make your Wandering Emperor tokens fucking huge. But yeah, like 
it's just way harder to kill than a Murktide. Yep. Well, and on top of that, Murktide, on the other hand, you could play for, you could get it, you could cast it, and then you doing Days Undoing actually makes Murktide bigger. That's true. <laughs> I didn't think about that either. They, you can Days Undoing and make your 6-6 six, six Murktide a 10-10 Murktide. <laughs> yep. I mean, so, Murktide is just better. But I think the data has kind of proven that one. Um, but yeah, other than... This is actually really similar to a deck we've seen. Like, we, we saw this deck make rotations for a while. Yeah, I mean, this is um, a this, very similar deck to what you used to run. This like, was, the, like, like almost this exact list was huge, except for the Murktide, I think, was huge dur- right before, um, just forgot the name of the biggest legacy tournament of the year, Eternal Weekend. Mm-hmm. This was all over the place leading up to and in Eternal Weekend. This, like, this couple days undoing Narset combo package, just hard control deck, shut everything down. Not a lot of ways to win the deck. Yep. Win, the, win the game deck. Sideboard, pretty stock, Flusterstorm, Hydroblast, Meltdown, Pyroblast, four of, Surgical, Containment Priest, Rest in Peace, and Blood Moon. Like, they're just... In fairness, Rest in Peace does not pair very well with Octavia. Nope. That's, that's one of the one of the worst not... And although it doesn't pair well with Murktide either, though, so both cards are nearly as uncastable. And if you're going to get to eight mana, Octavia is way fucking better. If you're, if you're casting it through a Rest in Peace. Yeah. Now, again, though... If you get Murktide out, then cast Rest in Peace. It does make it. It does, it make does it f- get bigger. <laughs> yep. Um, so. Hang on a second. Okay, so it doesn't pair with Rest in Peace though, because Rest in Peace is a replacement effect. It does not continue to grow it. No, no, no. It's the you'd have to use like I think Planar Void is a triggered ability. Is that what it goes to the graveyard and then leaves? Yeah, I think it okay. says like whenever, but it's kind of an older card, and uh, I can't promise that they haven't updated the text on it. It's just the printed text of the card yeah. one is like it's one black enchantment whenever a card is put into a graveyard exile, exile it yeah but it doesn't use the instead language yeah. the replacement it doesn't replace it language. it puts it in and then exiles it yeah so next up we've got stifle knot which is a deck we haven't seen like top eight in a very long time Ever? i can't remember <laughs> like i don't want to say it's never done it so but like i can't think of a specific instance so of I, it. I said with with confidence in 2022 that Tarmogwyf is not playable in Legacy. And I stand for the most part behind that statement. Uh, Stifle Knot is not a good deck. (laughs) (laughs) Is it Stifle Knot is not a good deck. Uh, It did get a huge addition that I tangentially thought of and wrote off because what you win when you assemble the fucking Tron of this deck is a a 12-12 that dies to almost every single removal spell under the sun. Mm -hmm. But... Jake 2023, is it Stifle Knot? It's not a good deck in Legacy. <laughs> right. So the card it got, so we've got, we've got the, the deck is named after Phyrexian Dreadnought, for those who don't know, and Stifle. So Phyrexian Dreadnought is a one mana artifact creature. It's a 12 12 with trample. When it ETBs, uh, sacrifice any number of creatures with total power 12 or more, or bury it, sacrifice it. I would like to also put forward that this is amazing card design, and I love it. I, and I love the design of Stifle of, of Dreadnought. Me too. Like it's, this is what cards used to have. There used to be downsides on cards and not just it is so flavorful. It is such a cool mechanic. Yep. The idea that you have to you have to mash your creatures into this giant 12-12 with trample. Yeah. Great design. So we always joke around about it with I always bring it up like frequently, like how many lines of text you get per mana now. This is one yeah. mana. And you get one, two, three, four, five lines of text, but it's all downside. <laughs> well, one of them's upside. And then there's a sixth line, which is trample. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
this has got to be one of the highest like words to mana cost ratios in right. magic it does a shit ton of stuff i mean it's one effect but they have to use you know a lot of lines of text yeah. to describe it and it's all downside it's just hey if you want to get this one mana 12 12 this is what you have to do yep and that's it was um just to veer off course a little bit that's another thing i liked about when i'm playing final fantasy 11 in the 75 era back the level 75 era back gear used to be like that too so like there were just as an example like your the big chest pieces you'd have yeah would give you a bunch of offensive stats and then they would nuke your defensive stats so like it basically played into the holy trinity of tank healer dps yeah where like if you're a dps and you're wearing this gear you're in deep shit if you pull hate yep there's a legitimate downside. And even if you don't get killed, it increases like uh, downtime because you're, you're spending more uh, MP healing your DPS uh -huh. and because they take more damage. So it just makes you less yeah, efficient. There's costs. There's costs involved to doing it. Now, while I think Final Fantasy XI on net is a much more enjoyable experience than it was because just a lot of stuff is more accessible um, and it doesn't take like 60 people to do one event. Yeah. None of that stuff exists anymore. So like you put on a piece of gear and it's just like they like if you look at a piece of gear that has what's called its item card, you have to hit the minus button to see the second page of stats now. <laughs> gotcha. And this that's the way I feel about magic, where it's like Phyrexian Dreadnought, like, is a very powerful card with a steep uh downside that you have to design around or design your deck around if you want to take advantage of this card. Now it's yep. Well, I'm just gonna play Ragavan because he also cost one mana yeah. and like, also a, wins me the game. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna play Murktide because I it, it its enablers are the best spells ever printed in Magic. Right. So I love Stifle Knot as a deck. Yep. Whether or not the so the card it got when we I kind of got veered off on tangent was uh, the Mycosynth Gardens. Uh, it's a land. The rest of the text doesn't really matter. It's pay X, tap it, and Mycosynth Garden. Gardens becomes a copy of target non-token artifact creature you control with mana value X. So you pay one, tap it, and it becomes a copy of Phyrexian Dreadnought. Yes. So you do that while the sacrifice triggers on the stack, and all of a sudden you now have effectively a three mana Phyrexian Dreadnought as opposed to like, I mean, you could do it with Stifle for two mana, like there's yep. cheaper ways, but you're looking for redundancy here. Yeah. Dreadnought in this shell is almost always at, it's at minimum two mana, or three mana in payments. And the only way you can do it three mana in payments is with a dress down on their turn. Yeah. Then you could legitimately have a one mana stifle knot on your turn. But for the most part, stifle knot costs anywhere from two to three mana to have a dreadnought in play. It fits the curve perfectly. When it's not a dreadnought, it's just a land that's powering out things. Yep. Um you could, if you had multiple, the Mycosynth Guard the first Mycosynth Gardens can cast the dreadnought. The second one can copy the Dreadnought. And then later, the first Microsynth Gardens can now copy the existing Dreadnought. Yeah. So it's really cool. I'm my hope, and we haven't we haven't seen Stifle Knot pop up since this card came out. And my hope, and I don't know if it's true or not, and I'm if I had to bet money, I would bet against the deck in the long run, having like solid staying power. Yep. But my hope is a combination of Urza Saga, Microsynth Gardens, and Dress Down is enough to like elevate this deck into like it's probably never going to be tier one because no. it's just got a huge chink in its but armor. Like, actually playable. Yeah. Like a solid just play. Like it's just one of the dozen decks you can play in legacy. You're not like you have just as much shot playing this as you yeah. do any of the other. Basically. I mean, there's clearly a tier one of like some blue soup control deck yep. Delver and then whatever the best combo deck is at the moment. Oddly enough, this is a blue soup deck. <laughs> it is. And that, well, I mean, that's one of the reasons why it, yeah, it helps well. a lot. 
as when you got again the same you're running most of the same powerful cards as the best card best decks do you just run a slight variant of it um so i'd be i would love to see stifled on around it's a very nostalgic deck for me yeah like i remember at the lunch table people trying to make phyrexian dread not work yep so like i nothing would make me happier in modern like the modern realm of legacy than to see stifle not like actually see a resurgence yep so i hope it does i i don't have a whole lot of confidence that it will yep and for reference why i think this deck is bad is you're working on making phyrexian dread not work and phyrexian dread not dies or loses to to fairy disenchant prismatic ending swords to plowshares um any bounce effect any destroy target non-artifact creature effect which now, there there are just many 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 of I will say, does the okay? So it doesn't turn back. No, nope, so, it does not. It does not even retain the ability. Yeah, it's you're blown out a little bit, but not quite as bad if they bounce it because you still have the dreadnought in your hand, so you could recover from that. But yes, you do. You know, yeah. well, you'd still either they bounce the Mycosynth Gardens. Like it depends on when how they do it. Well, if that's if you're if you're wanting to play through a bounce spell, what you would just do is you would just sack the Mycosynth Gardens one to keep the real one. Yeah. What what I meant is like it depends on when they play their bounce. Like if they top deck it and they bounce your Mycosynth Gardens after you've yeah. done the combo, then you can just replay it and then it's live again. If you have somehow have the combo out, then they bounce your Phyrexian. Like bounce isn't as bad against this. No, it but still does buy plenty of time yeah it just it complete like because like, that minimum sets you back two turns because you turn have is, to and that's if you draw the other enabler like, yeah if i bounce your grizzle brand i'm still losing by a lot because one of us drew between 7 and 14 cards yeah even if i bounce if i bounce your atraxa yep you don't have attracts anymore but you probably drew six cards like this thing you did the thing you assembled the two or three pieces to make it work and now it's like okay well, well i'm gonna cast fading hope put that back in your and no one plays it but i can cast fading hope and scry yeah Put that back in your hand and yep. and nothing on the board has changed. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, and that's, I, I'm right there with you. I'm not disagreeing at all. Yeah. It's just, that's, no. that's the chink in its armor is like, it's a combo deck that when it goes off, doesn't necessarily win the game. And it doesn't even do anything crazy powerful. Yeah. It now, does, doesn't all those really things affect being, the board. All those things being said, cool user came in second place in a showcase, qual or in a showcase qualifier, wasn't it? Yeah. So congratulations we we basically are in agreement that the deck has no staying power. <laughs> What's the rest of the deck? Uh, blue soup. Blue soup. <laughs> so we go down six uh, red blasts or four red blasts. Yep. Four Brainstorm ponder. Red blasts. Another one in the side. Bolt. Lightning bolt. Stifle. Uh, you got your Urza Saga pass package like yep. normal. Dress down. Fable the mirror breaker with three more in the side. Um. So yeah, like plenty of other cards that see play in other decks. It's just like how do we take these good cards and try to make a nostalgic bad card work? And I'm on board with that. And it, it and it did work. In fairness, it did work. It did work. Third place, Doomsday. We can save some time here. So I don't know much about Doomsday. And I like I get that I've been looking at Doomsday for the last, you know, if if anyone that listens is like a Doomsday player, been playing it, got reps in, knows what they're doing, I would not be opposed to just talking to you, like having you break down a Doomsday deck to me. So I understand more about it in the same way that I don't under like I would love to have Bryant Cook just talk at me, which I watch his videos sometimes, but just talk at me about Storm. And so, like, I'm not opposed to if you want to reach out and and, and come on the podcast and I'd say, hey, and we'll break down. a We'll have a segment on the we'll break down a Doomsday list. And this is this and that's what that. And here's the variance you might say, blah, blah, blah. I'm not opposed to that. Matt, are you opposed to that? Depends on who it is. <laughs> 
I retain veto rights. <laughs> Maybe it'll be it, it could possibly be just you and me for we'll say for scheduling issues. <laughs> but we could always we could always record a segment or just talk and throw on the podcast because I would love to know a little more about Doomsday um, from someone who's like in Doomsday. This is the Merktide region variant. This is the pseudo tempo. Sometimes just kill you with a Merktide. Yeah. So. Did we determine if you no? Because you lose your graveyard. You can't. You cannot build a pile based off Merktide because you lose your graveyard at the same time, right? So you can put because the, the, there's the, the Shelldock Isle, which I don't, this is ranked Shelldock Isle package. It's not, but you can build a Shelldock Isle package with Emrakul mm-hmm. because even though you only have five cards, it doesn't matter. Emrakul kills you in two swings, and Merktide kind of does too, but you you can't build a pile based off of. Merktide because Doomsday exiles your graveyard. Yeah. So never mind. Yep. So However, just, if you did have a Merktide, your Doomsday could make your Merktide fucking huge. To me, I look at Merktide, and there's a couple different ways to look at it, I'm sure. But I look at this and I go, obviously, games two and three, it's going to change what you do in your sideboards. But like, there's sometimes we're just playing a fucking six six flyer just yeah to beat you him to just, death. You just play a pseudo control package because you you play like a this, four thought sees four push. And a ton of cantrips. So you just sit here yep. and play, again, what we talked about, the best blue spells ever printed. Yeah. So you've got this pseudo-tempo thing where you've got, like, days, force of will, brainstorms and ponders, fatal pushes and thought seizes, and just, yep. I can either draw Doomsday or Merktide, and whichever one I draw is going to yeah. kill my opponent. The thought I just had is, and I don't want any more words to be on Merktide, but wouldn't it be funny if Merktide read, whenever an instant or sorcery card leaves your graveyard or deck... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Or like, yeah. Or say, let's say, was put into exile from anywhere. Yeah. And you could be like, I'm going to die leveler. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I'm going to put, uh, take 30. Yeah. Mm, 31 spells. <laughs> 31 counters. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That would be. Yeah. Cause Merktide needs to be better. No. I just, uh, the thought hit my head like, that'd be so fucking funny if you could doomsday and be like, well, I'm going to exile 30, uh, 30 spells from my deck. And uh, Merktide's now a 36-36. Mm-hmm. I don't think that'd be very funny. I would not be laughing. <laughs> if I, As long as I was in the chair next to it, I'd laugh. <laughs> You'd be like, ah! That fucking sucks. Hope I don't play him next round. <laughs> <laughs> Please ban Merktide. <laughs> Anywho. Um, sideboard, Flusterstorm, Hydroblast, Four Dothy Voidwalker, uh, Hercules Recall, Brazen Borrower, Force of Negation, Mystical Dispute, and Plague Engineer. So, again, doesn't seem like anything we haven't seen before, uh, but doing well, obviously, third in the top eight, although I'd have to double check it. I don't, I still don't know for sure if they've got the, uh, the the first and second place were correct. I'm not sure if they've got the standings. Seems like a good time to check that. It does. It looks like they actually have, like, this top eight correct. Nice, so, nice. Obviously, there's no difference between, there's no functional difference between third and fourth. You both lost in the semifinals. But, <clears throat> yeah, that's cool. It looks like they finally fixed that. So, hooray, good news. Uh, next <laughs> next up, some bad news. Rug Delfer. <laughs> Anyone hoping or saying that... Uh, well, banning, we, no there, one thought Delver was dead. There were... We talked about this. Oh, yeah, last, yeah, yeah. There well, were some people, and it's just like, I was looking at that, I'm just like, you're dumb. No one <laughs> actually thought... I mean, yeah. nobody with a brain. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be yeah. mean to people. I was very sure Delver wasn't dead. Now, I do want to say that uh, uh, Fingers 1991 is working on getting towards the correct number of Tarmogoyfs. I think three probably is the correct number of Tarmogoyfs. It's definitely closer to the correct number than four. For his build, like, 
Because like Matt, battles are coming out in like a month. They are. Tarmogoyf gets so much better <laughs> on Legacy. <laughs> there's a new card type. There Matt. is. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of battles in graveyards in Legacy. <laughs> Could be wrong. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying. I kind of want to cast Green Sun with an 8-8 on the back. That's fair. But you have to take a turn off attacking. You have to, you have to deal seven damage to your opponent. You, you have to give you, you have to give your opponent seven life. Yep. But I mean, seven, giving would you give your opponent seven life for an eight eight? No, I would. No, not in a not in legacy. Not in a. Oh, uh, not not. I mean, like the cards are bad in legacy, but just as a like. I mean, it, it it here's the thing in the circles I run in as a as like a fun EDH card, absolutely. Uh, but like in the circles I run in, you would lay like. Heh, that's funny. Doomblade. Like that's just that, realistically that is what's and, going and, to happen. And I don't know what the CMC on it is. I didn't I don't have it up anymore, but like either the CMC is zero or two. So it dies to everything. Every you can push it. Yeah. Either the CMC is zero or two. Yeah. So the answer is mo- almost all now the, the now the real question is would I rather ha- would I like to have another finale of devastation? And the answer is yes. Depends <clears throat> on the deck, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, and we we talked about this before uh, before the show because of course in classic fashion we're gonna take a three hour podcast and make it four hours by talking for an hour before we hit record. Absolutely. <laughs> um, anywho, I mean we one day that'll be our super Patreon tier <laughs> yeah. is we are like dedicated to the second we sit down hit record and they get that. <laughs> I might be in trouble. <laughs> There'll be more editing involved in that show. <laughs> yep, but a beep. <laughs> A lot of weird, a lot of weird shifts in discussion. All of a sudden, <laughs> no one uh, needs to hear that. Matt went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, um, it's Rug Delver. I mean, it's literally blue red Delver yeah. with Tarmogoyfs. It's not even, it's not even what we would traditionally call Rug Delver. In my no. opinion, we've got two, three Tarmogoyfs, which I maintain are good enough, and then two Minsk and Boo in the side, and yep. then two Submerged. Those are your green cards. The rest of this we've seen a million times before. So we don't need to spend a ton of time on it any more than we already have. Nope. So Rug Delver, yay! I'm again. My main thing is I just I I have a soft spot for Tarmogoyf. Yeah. So, and it's see and play. Next up, we've got eight cast played by Archon. So let's look at the list real quick. So we got four Emery, two Psy, two Kappa Cannoneer, four Thought Monitor, four Thought Cast. So we got the full eight casts: Force of Will, Metallic Ret- uh, Rebuke. Alice, Lotus Petal, Mishra's Bobble, Mox Opal, Urza's Bobble. I think it looks pretty standard. Saga. Yeah, it's a pretty standard list. Just solid eight cast list. Which, if I, I I mentioned it before, and I have almost all this deck, but if I wasn't playing elves, I would play eight cast. It looks like a lot of fun. It isn't eight cast. Sorry, isn't eight cast the no uh, no reserve list, right? Pretty much. I I'd have to. I'd have to go through it and double look, double check again. I mean, I but the last, yeah, the, just the glancing over it, it doesn't look like some of them. When it first was built, and you know this, they were running Lion's Eye Diamond, yeah, with uh, what was it, Echo, Echo Aeons. Um, yeah, but that has pretty much gone by the wayside. That was like the initial build when the the turtle first was printed. So since then, it's basically no reserve list. Every now and then, you'll see a reserve list card in the side. But yeah, it's it's but, basically no reserve list. Yeah, but you still have. Three hundred twenty dollars yep. in opals, so those yep. are eighty bucks piece. You still have three hundred dollars in force of wills. Three hundred dollars, which I already have, but and then chalice of the void. So yep. I would need to buy opals and chalice of the voids. You could sell one volcanic island. Yep. 
So that's eight cast. Next up, we have a white blacklist. Barely. I, 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 I oppose to calling this a white blacklist. I don't because he's got three scrublands. Like that's commitment to the bit <laughs> because he has four arena rector. I know, but he's got he's got more actual white cards than then Delver has the, green cards. <laughs> Delver has green cards. or green lands. Yes. Yeah, yeah. If that's rug Delver, this is white black. This is or or Orchov Orzov yeah. Orzov. Yeah. So it's basically though that kind of like mono blacklist we've seen running around. It's changed a couple cards to run arena rector yeah which is a uh one two for four mana when it dies you search you exile it if you do search your library for, for a planeswalker card and put it onto the battlefield so that's the main thing so we got dothy voidwalker op- opposition agent arena rector and grief so the creatures the planeswalkers really what you're getting at here karn yep. the great Curie, uh creator and if i remember correctly there is a i mean that's a mediocre one uh, like karn's there for your helm package well i was looking for um I was checking to see if they had Mycosynth Lattice in the side, and they actually don't. No, I I think Karn is there. One, because Karn's a good, he's a good in the format. He hits a lot of the artifact mana, uh, but also <laughs> Karn just helps fill out that Helm of Obedience because yeah. there's a there's oh, a Helm yeah. Leyline package. Mm-hmm. But what you really want to get, but like to me, I would probably run one Mycosynth and then late game turn that into just an instant win where you're just like, okay, well I'm gonna yeah lock them out. It's one more card in your sideboard. That's how I kind of approach just to get like, if you want to look into how I build things uh-huh. like that, I would pick whatever, you know, obviously I'd have to look at the list and like pick one, but I would cut one of those and put Mycosynth Lattice in there and turn Karn himself into another combo. Um, whether or not it's needed, I don't know. Uh, next up, we've got Kaya Intangible Slayer. So seven mana Planeswalker, six loyalty, hexproof, uh, plus two, each opponent loses three life and you gain three life, zero. Uh, you draw two cards. Draw two cards and each opponent may scry one and then minus three exile target creature or enchantment. If it wasn't an aura, create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a one, one white spirit creature with flying in addition to its other types. So I see that card having really two abilities. One of them is Ugin lightning helix them to death or one of the best removal bows we've ever seen on a planeswalker. Your creature's exiled and I get a TTB. Right. Or it's massively cool ability, whatever it is. Yeah. Or it's massive ability. Yeah. So, or just, I mean, if I remember, like if you have ETBs yourself, you could, in theory, absolutely. Like if you have a grief, you can dome them with grief again if you wanted. If you can hit, you can, you could exile your own grief. Yeah. Now, whether or not you want to sacrifice your arena wrecker, arena rector in order to get Kaya to kill your own grief, that seems Seems low, like a stretch. But the the most important thing, one of the most important things about Kaya is it has hexproof. Yeah. It is. Once it's, it's very hard to kill. Very hard to remove. Yeah. Uh, then we got Ugin and the Spirit Dragon. Shit comes in with six loyalty too. Yeah, it comes with a lot of loyalty. Yeah, between the hexproof and the yeah, like, she's really hard to remove, and she's got a plus two. Yeah, so she comes in between six and eight. Yeah, she's basically gonna come down. Yeah, it's it's very hard. She to can kill. almost tank a Merktide. Almost. And if she can't, she, she just, just kills, kills the Merktide. Merktide. <laughs> yeah. Then you got Ugin the Spirit Dragon. So everybody should know what that does. But in case they don't, eight mana for a seven loyalty Planeswalker plus two uh, Lightning Bolt. Uh, minus X each opponent each exile each permanent with CMC cost X or less that's one or more colors and then minus 10 you gain 7 life draw 7 cards then put up to 7 permanent cards from your hand onto the battlefield win the game which is really fun to copy yes yes we know the one time you copied it like 3 times it was awesome yeah Ugin uh, 
I can't remember. I I heard of I heard this quote and I have no idea who it was, but it was it was a yieldy quote. I think it was about legacy, but it's like the format is weak to a resolved Ugin. Sure is. And most formats are weak to a resolved Ugin. Mm-hmm. As someone who had Ugin cast against them from Lotus Field yeah, on Monday. Yes, my deck was very, very, very weak. Soft to... Yeah, very soft to Ugin. Resolved Ugin. (laughs) (laughs) Minus three, exile everything you own. Cool. Yeah, and I have no issue with Planeswalkers like this. Like, you got to cheat them out for them to really be good. And And there's not a lot of great ways to cheat it out. No. Omniscience and Arena Rector. Yeah. And Tron. It's about the only other one. Tron slash Cloud Post. Yeah. Those kind of Tron effects. Um, Spells, we got Cabal Therapy primarily there for... Arena Rector sacrificing, uh, Dark Ritual for speed, reanimate, Sudden Edict, uh, Agadem's Awakening, and then the last combo we've gotten here, Helm of Obedience and Late Line of the Void. Helm is relevant. Sudden Edict does kill your own Arena Rector without any chance for your opponent to respond. Yep, absolutely does. Target player sacks a creature and split second. They have cool swords, bro. Yep. Bonk. Yep. <laughs> Sacrificed. Now they can still... Exile your graveyard in response, if I remember correctly. No, they would not, because the sudden edict is still on the still on the stack, isn't it? No, because no, the, the edict has, has to resolve. resolve. Yeah. So yeah, they could if they could remove it. For, if they could unlicense hearse it. Yeah. Because I think it has the same text as like uh, dark depths. If you don't yeah. fulfill these the exile effect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're playing around the majority of yeah. stuff. The big thing there, there's uh, the card you said, and then uh, surgical. Expansion. Surgical. Yep. Yeah. Just that, like, hey, gotcha, but. Other than that kind of thing, uh, lands pretty obvious. We got ancient tombs. We've seen these before, uh, and city of traitors, cavern of souls for the erector, for the arena erector. I don't know why I'm having such trouble saying that. I keep pointing to say erector. I know you've said it. Yeah, arena erector. Arena erector. He looks like uh, Jeff Goldblum from uh, Endgame. From the the Thor movie. Yeah, it's Thor Ragnarok. The one you're oh, is that of. Ragnarok? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Ragnarok <clears throat> is where he finds where he gets. Yeah, he he's finds, off on the planet. He finds Hulk. He finds Hulk in yeah. the arena. Yeah, he he looks kind of like he reminds me of uh, Jeff. Is it Jeff Goldblum? Isn't it? Yeah, from yeah, yeah uh, right Ragnarok. Uh, Frexian Tower, something we don't see a ton of, but makes perfect sense in this deck. Very good. And then uh, Scrublands, again, <laughs> something we don't see a ton of. Nope. <laughs> and then one Urborg, like pretty standard stuff. Uh, sideboard Cavern of Souls. Urborgs are forty dollars. They sure are. Jeez Louise. Yep. EDH staples that aren't currently or haven't recently been reprinted. Just they, I keep referring to like when your card gets reprinted, it's like, oh, cool. Urborgs are on sale. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. Like they're just cheap for a little bit. They're cheap for a little bit. Yeah. Cause that, that top, like, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but anywhere between like five and 10% of cards, they, they go on sale. They're not, they're almost never like permanently cheap uh-huh. because the demand for them is so high. It's kind of like Force of Will. For, they keep reprinting Force of Will. Yeah. It took forever for them to reprint yep. Force of Will. And, and the they, entire time, it wasn't reprinted. It was $100. Yep. And Both. now it's 80 Yeah. And I, I bet you, I mean, what is it? Have we looked? Oh, yeah. It's like it, it was, it was 280 for a playset. Gotcha. Yeah. So like it's, yeah, it's, 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 or it's, no, it was, yeah, they're like $75 or 70 bucks like that. Yeah. It's been it's been printed like four times in the last four years and it's like 70 bucks. Yeah. And this is at a point where legacy is not exactly like Yeah, and it's super... only for it's played in literally two formats. Yep. EDH <laughs> has a one of and legacy. Yeah. And we don't really count vintage as a format. No. Sorry, that one vintage guy. <laughs> yeah. No. Um sideboard, 
uh, Cavernous Souls, Chalice of Void, Tormod's Crypt, Fatal Push, uh, Pithing Needle. A lot of these are just going to be uh, Karn sideboard cards. Um, Liquid Metal Coating, Powder Keg, Sudden Edict again, uh, Ensnaring Bridge, Lauren of the Third Path, Plague Engineer, and another Helm of Obedience. So I'm happy to see a black deck like that do well. Yeah. It's once in a while we see that basically mono black <laughs> pop up and it's cool yeah. to see what it does. It's that that kind of pile of cards feels like one card away from like really popping off. Yeah. And yeah, and, and the answer probably isn't a four mana creature. Probably not. But like that's it just it needs something else. Yep. It needs like Thoughtseize 2.0. Yeah. It needs to cost just Phyrexian mana for Thoughtseize. Don't <laughs> Don't put that in the universe. I get Thoughtseize so fucking often in you Pioneer. You play it too. I do. You're Everyone should. Filthy Thoughtseize. I was playing against Joe, and he plays Mono Green Tron. And I, I am um, the one card I would ban out of Pioneer tomorrow without any hesitation is Karn. I hate playing against Karn. Not because Karn is inherently broken himself. I hate playing against my opponent's sideboard every fucking game. I hate it more than anything. Yeah. I hate playing against my opponent's sideboard every game. Um, I told that to Joe. And I was like, and you should play Karn as long as you should, but fuck that thing. Yeah. I hate that thing. And you should absolutely play it. And that's why I play Thoughtseize. Every, if you have black, you should play. I was playing against Tyler and we were sideboarding and he was like, and I was like, I know what, I know what's coming in. And he was like, oh, do you play Thoughtseize? And I was like, well, Tyler, I have black mana. What, what do you think? Yeah. Take a guess. <laughs> yeah. Thoughtseize is coming in. You should be surprised it's not in my main board. <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was the same thing. Uh, I didn't end up... I haven't played it uh, just because of the timing of everything that happened last year, but that elves list I put together and I was talking about building the sideboard, and I'm like, this needs Thoughtseize. And the next guy to do well with it had Thoughtseize. Thought I'm like, why am I yep. not running Thoughtseize? Yep. The only reason I won the one game I did on Monday was I went duress Thoughtseize and I took his two temporary lockdowns, which are board wipes from my deck. Like, that's the only reason I won is I was playing the control deck and I went Thoughtseize, Thoughtseize. Cool, I can play the game now. Yep. We're done. Like, yeah. your shenanigans are yeah. over. Fuck your hand for the next four turns until you can rebuild. Just rips one right off the top. Just, to, like, just curves out. Turn <laughs> <He> three. <laughs> he did, he did get me. Uh, he didn't have it, but I was joking that I, like, game one, or, like, game three or somewhere. I, like, I dressed him, and I'm like, like, turn one. I'll take your sensor, which is days. I'll take your days so I can play. And I, because I went first, and I went, okay, so I'm going to go ahead. Of course, you probably drew a sensor, right? Cast my creature, and he went, actually... No, it resolves it in draw. <laughs> but he, <laughs> I'm like, <gasps> he said that, and my fucking heart went. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Did I just walk right into Goddamn that? Goddamn Thoughtseize bug. Yep. Uh, next two lists, we have Reanimator. We're going to look at them at pretty much the same time. There's no reason to really split them up because it doesn't look like they're very different lists. Um, so we've got seventh and eighth place. So we've got let's see, Griefs, Atraxas. Archons and Grizzlebrands. Yep. Uh, the one list has a Sarah's Emissary as well in the main. I think I'm a fan of having one four of and then a couple of one ofs. Yeah. That's where I, that's where I like because you got the one you want to do most of the time or at least the one you want to do the fastest every time. And then you have other things that you'll go get as needed. Yeah. And there's some that are just like especially game one against certain decks. If you can Sarah's Emissary out like. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, I mean, what, creatures what, is, what does elves. elves do in game one? Against Sarah's emissary, concede. Yeah, you. Have, I mean, unless you happen to have like main deck, like 
on the op, but like a yeah. standard stock list. Yeah. You don't really have any yeah, no of that removal. Shit. You, no removal. Yep. I'm, Maybe I have, snuff outs if the meta has devolved bad enough. I have protection from creatures. Right. You can do nothing. Right. right? And Storm's the same way. Like, what is Storm going to do turn game one when I go? Sorcery. Yeah, sorcery. Yeah. Good luck, bud. Yep. So I guess, in fairness, they might be able to go get Empty the Warrens. Depending on the... That's yeah, fair. Depends on what their yeah. wish list contains and stuff like that. But yeah, there's... I think there's merit to having the one Sarah's emissary. Those kind of cards. Same yep. thing before Sarah's emissary. It was uh, what's what's her face? The white Iona. Xenobite. No, no. Well, Iona there's, there's of Iona, and then there's also the white Xenobite chick. I can't. The Praetor. The white oh, Praetor. Elish Norn. Elish Norn. <laughs> Elish Norn as well. The white Xeno. You mean you mean the one creature everyone's been simping over for the last six months? Yeah, Xenobite. Yeah, she's, Elish Norn. She's a Xenobite from uh. Hellraiser, basically. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. I mean, they're not like explicitly that, but if you looked up like the Hellraiser scene about that's they're these like yeah. you know chaos like demon things of I torture. Think and- I think it's hilarious that everyone's making the joke that Elish Norn is like mommy, like mommy uh, Phyrexian, mm-hmm. and they fucking came out with mom. Yep. The set list is mom, and one of the premier chase cards is Elish Norn. Yeah, real hey. tongue in cheek guy. I mean, I, I'm happy about it, but real tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. Spells look pretty stock as well. Dark Ritual Entomb, Faithless Looting, Reanimate, Thoughtseize, Exhum, Unmask. That looks pretty much the same there. Same with Lotus Petal, Animate Dead. Land's pretty stock. Sideboard, do we have anything cool on the sideboard? We got Void Walkers and Serenities. Uh, what's that Stronghold Gambit? That card's old. So we've got a Nemesis card. All right, so Stronghold Gambit. Two mana, red, one in red. Sorcery, each player chooses a card in his or her hand. Then each player reveals his or her chosen card. The owner of the creature card revealed this way with the lowest CMC puts that card into play. If two or more creatures are tied, those cards are put into play. Lowest CMC. Yep. You know that's really good against? Tell me. Uh, any deck with no creatures. Oh, uh, yeah. And, or or any deck that yeah. was thought seized. Yeah. Um, so if you so you swarm the board with graveyard hate. And, and I just play show and tell with red. Show and tell with red, yeah. Like blue white that, that, that blue white control us at one is a great example where like they have two creatures. Mm-hmm. Like you commit to a lot of graveyard hate. If I can get a ideally get a thought seize off, or I find a window where I'm pretty sure it'll resolve, and I'm like, yeah, I'll reveal Atraxa. What do you reveal? No creature? Cool. Atraxa, please. Yep. <clears throat> and the nice thing is the odds of getting like super blown out aren't that great. It's well, it's I think it fits a deck like this perfect because the I the premise of of any uh reanimary deck, games two and three. You don't go for it in the blind anymore. Yeah. And if you're not going for it in the blind, this card is probably pretty good. Yep. It's a cool juke. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's requires a little bit more effort than just mm-hmm. casting show and tell. Yeah. But it doesn't tax your mana base nearly as much. Yep, exactly. So you don't have to, like, fuck around with a bunch of, like, quote-unquote bad cards. Yep. And you don't need underground yeah, seas. Bad cards, you like, underground sea yeah. and force will. Well, but yes. <laughs> but you are less opened up to um, wastelands. Yeah. And like you said, it does, it does, it is one less, which is really relevant. It is one being one less mana is hyper relevant. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially when you're running stuff like Lotus Petals. Yep. And you have 14 lands. <laughs> yeah. So that looks like about the only thing interesting between yeah, the they're two. Pretty, they're pretty, they're pretty stock list. Similar. So yeah, that's our top eight. I um, would say we don't even go through like metagame summary and whatnot. Oh, the thing I'll say is force of will 73%. Yeah. Decks. Yeah. <laughs> In the 15 decks that made it, yeah, there's a there's a lot of blue pips in these. I mean, uh, case in point, there isn't a there is one deck 
that does not have at least on the front screen a blue a blue pip. Yeah, in its deck description. Now, not now, not every one of those decks runs Force of Will, but blue was present in some form in probably twelve of these fifteen decks. Ugh. Anywho, that's Legacy. So cool tournament. The top eight, I mean, seven of the top eight decks were different, and we actually had a couple that we hadn't seen, like Stifle Knot or that uh, white yeah. blacklist. So not really a whole lot to be. Yeah, it was it was it was a cool top eight. Yeah, it's cool top eight. Lots to talk about. So yeah, that's Legacy. Let's pop over to Modern. Uh, let's see. We had a regular challenge, I believe, for Modern this week. Uh, Matt, you want to double check me on that? I, I already sure? did. There was, okay. It was just <laughs> Good. Uh, but starting it off, uh, <laughs> the combo deck of Choice and Domino Creativity with Eric Jr. Or Eric Jr. Take a peek at this bad boy, but I'm guessing it's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty predictable list with four Archon, four Indomino Creativity, and one Transmogrify. And then... Your tempo package you can't expect in there with, you know, Spell Pierce, Prismari Command, Prismatic Ending, Mirror Breaker Binding. Like, it's almost the exact same list we see every single week. Um, it's kind of sh- it's kind of shocking, not really, but funny that Indomitable Creativity is probably the premier combo deck of choice in Modern. And probably just one of the best decks, period. And it's also one of the premier decks of choice in Pioneer. And probably mm-hmm. one of the better decks, period. <laughs> Uh, is that like I I got I got creativity out in uh, on uh, on in Indy on Sunday Sunday and game one the deck did nothing my deck did nothing his deck did plenty and I tried to fog my way to get another turn uh, it was one of those that it was game one and I was one of those like I'll keep a one land hand it'll probably be okay don't worry there was one mana source in the top twelve cards of my deck even though there's twenty lands and four mana dorks seriously okay but like tried to fog by a turn and. Bell Pierce told me to fuck off. And then game two, since he didn't see any of my deck, he sideboarded into the whole breacher package, which unfortunately is still really good against me. <laughs> I sideboarded in a bunch of cards to deal with the the worm, the world spine yeah. worm package, and he sideboarded into whole breacher, which just bounces all my shit and counters all my spells. <laughs> oh, Having shit. no idea what I'm on, turns out he accidentally sideboarded really well. So that was funny. But yeah, it's good. And Domino Creativity is kind of taking a couple formats by storm. But yeah, nothing else really new in here that's interesting. God, can you imagine how good it would be if Archon was legal in Pioneer? Like, that it's not. That'd be bad. I don't know. I mean, like, would it be cool if there was a legit reanimator deck in modern in Pioneer? And I don't I don't count Grease Fang. Grease Fang's a little janky. It is re- it is reanimator for sure. But that's not what I want to play for reanimator. And and uh you know. A pioneer has plenty of five mana reanimation spells. And I mean like legitimately like three or four. Um, one of them is graveyard shift, which is four and a black. And if you have the five mana values in your graveyard, then it's instant. It has uh what's the Gix? There's a Gix saga. Path to Gix or something. Tribute to Gix. I don't know. But it's four and a black. It comes in and it you can look at their hand. It's, it has that read ahead, so you mm-hmm. can look. You can do any chapter. But the first one is look at their hand. Take a creature, planeswalker. The second one is um, grim tutor, just grim tutor. And the third one is put a creature from a graveyard into play. So like, and there's and there's a new battle that I believe I think it's a battle that it comes in and reanimates a thing for like five mana. Like there's legit five mana reanimation spells if you could run like a slower tempo-y reanimation package with board wipes and stuff and feel and draw a discard and then reanimate. I think I'd enjoy playing that. Yeah. I, uh, but I don't know what you reanimate. I don't know what's, I mean like Atraxa. 
that's probably what you would want to reanimate at this point. That seems to be the best thing the, to reanimate. The best top end lately. So you'd probably you should probably then run like black white because then you get invoke justice. You could run you could run the black ones that are easy to cast, and then you can run invoke justice, which is one white 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 white. You put a creature or enchantment into play, and then you get to put four plus one plus one counters onto a creature you control. So my attracts is an eleven eleven. Yeah, the biggest thing is like getting it, getting your attracts into the graveyard consistently. Like, yeah, getting it into the graveyard would be hard. That's one. I mean, that's that's why the indomitable creativity is solid. Is like it just doesn't you just skip that step. Yep, and it, it totally it dodges well, all the graveyard hate pretty well. I should say you don't necessarily skip that step because you do have to do some like work making like the tokens. So like yeah, but but it's a lot easier to make a fucking crab token than yeah. it is to cast or a treasure token. Yeah, like all that shit. And what's it's not in this one, but what's hyper relevant is a lot of times these deck run two or three persists. They also do just run a a reanimation package mm-hmm. because. I'll just, I mean, maybe I'll just discard it and bring it back. I mean, I'll discard it to Layla, to Fable the Mirror Breaker and then reanimate it. Or I'll play it, you'll terminate it, and I'll just reanimate it. Yep. So, um, I love reanimation. I love reanimator. And, yeah. Like, it's kind of like, I have I have modern reanimator. It's like the Cottage Cheeseless Aspiring Spike built. And, like, it's not the premier reanimator deck. The premier reanimator deck doesn't even run reanimator all the time. Second place, a actual factual reanimator deck is Living End. Mm-hmm. Running through Living End, is there anything you see in here that is not super-duper boring common Living End? I don't see anything. But that's what we talked about with these Living End decks. These yeah. Cascade decks, they're really limited on what they get to run. Um, there's just not many options. There's not a lot of wiggle room, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't see anything. The only thing you do see in these sometimes is, especially in Crashcade, you'll see some subtleties. Um, I got two on the side, yeah. You'll be happy to know that I did actually decide, I did pull my subtleties out of the trade pile. Uh, Keeping them? I was like, I think those will go higher. I think there's a chance those elementals seem broken. So I did keep those. I do still have four subtleties. But yeah, nothing much going on here in the main or the side. Next up, we've got Jeskai Control. Uh, This is like a legit blue-white control list with like Kahira, Four Solitude. I'm just saying, this isn't Legacy, but a great package for that Stronghold card. A great, a great deck to play that stronghold card against. I mean, all they got solitude. Not gonna um, planeswalkers. A little short on planeswalkers in this list. Only three of the three fairy. Your spells are pretty normal: counter spells, prismatic endings, verdicts, deluges, uh, two chalices, the pretty normal enchantments, dress down, leyline binding, and your shark typhoons to win, and uh, mixed with a couple hall of storm giants to win, but not a lot of win cons. But you're playing a control deck. You don't need a lot of win cons. You need to lock the game down and... Get one win con. And get one win con, and there's zero chance they ever come back. Like, I mean, that's like, kind of like in the Legacy deck, like, your primary win con is your opponent conceding. And like that, that's literally what happened on Monday. I beat control, but in game two, I had one card, he had five. Like, let's just go to game three, bud. I'm not going to make you... And, and laughably, this was very funny... I said that being like, look, I want one of us to win. I'm not going to make you spend five more turns killing me to, to find find a way to, or to beat me with that fucking haul. Like, let's just go to game three. I won game three on turn five. <laughs> yep. I, I, <laughs> I, I swung in for lethal on turn five in turns. Not, not sorry, not turn five. We were in turns. Mm-hmm. Time was up. We're in turns on turn five. The, this is the end of the game. And I won by, uh, playing around his two absorbs. Nice. 
just had I had enough on board, activating man lands, not casting any more spells, and got him down, killed him. I had like I think one or two extra damage. Mm-hmm. But yeah, by just playing around absorb for the last like three turns, not casting anything. Because <laughs> I can't. And I if if Rob is listening, I got a little lucky. I wasn't I was chasing down lines that I felt were the the best to win, and that involved pushing as much damage as possible, not committing to a board. But like I wasn't as aggressively playing around absorb. I was just playing as aggressively as I could on the board. So I got a little lucky there, which I'm sure and he just was. just happened to dodge the absorb. Happened to dodge the double absorb in his hand, which is, I mean, I'm lucky I didn't rip a thought seize because I absolutely would have fucking thought seized him in a heartbeat to be like, can I push this damage through and win? And he's going to like, nope, not now. Not now. Um, anyway, this is a pretty standard blue white control list um, that we see. I red because you have a crumble to dust in the side for a devoid exile non-basic land searches controllers and graveyards. They don't fit. get those Urza sagas out of here, I guess, or any relevant land, but literally blue white control with uh, all of the uh, land types over here for your Leyland binding enabling and a Kahira in the side. Nothing else. Yeah. Nothing else really going on in there. Hasn't been a whole lot interesting in modern for a little while. Uh, modern and legacy both kind of settled down into kind of stable boringness and then legacy got a big shake up. But speaking of stable boringness in modern, we've got merfolk in fourth place. Mm-hmm. So this is a deck that's been really on the fringes of like modern top tier deckness or at least tier two deckness for a while, but we haven't seen pop into uh, the top eight for a little while, but I have seen it played quite a bit watching, uh, watching modern leagues and it's terrifying. The deck is terrifying. To play against. Um, what's going on in here? I'm not sure if there's anything like super special. There's, I didn't see anything that made me go, oh, that's why it topped eight. And that's, that's kind of what I was looking for was just yeah. like, was there something new that we missed that like, you know, blew this deck wide open? Uh, I think the most recent card it got was the Baldalian Hexcatcher. I could be wrong, but like, that's the yeah. last one I remember us talking about. So you get your, uh, it doesn't give, it doesn't give uh, Island Walk, but it is your, Ninth through twelfth, uh, Lord, which is yeah. hyper relevant. Well, and its sacrifice ability is really good. Yeah, and yeah, I guess that's right. And turning every single one of your, um, what you call it, into a, a pseudo four spike, a pseudo a four spike. Yeah. But the cool thing is, it's got flash, so it can it itself can be in a pinch be treated as one. Yeah. So like, you could play it, sack sacri- it, sacrifice itself. Yeah. So and you also, I mean, like you just oh, have like you can catch an opponent unawares where like you have two mana. And you can cast it and beep, 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 yep. beep, beep. I mean, sack three merfolk to keep the other three. Yeah, absolutely. That's so, pretty strong. It's a good card. Oh, I'm it's a very again, good card. I'm, 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 I'm happy they printed those like site that cycle of like lords for uh, the various tribes. Yeah, like elves this was got the a, same set that the elves and yep, the goblins. Elves and goblins. Like, I don't remember what <clears throat> white got. Actually, I remember white or black. I think black got. To get some bad zombie thing. I don't remember. I it. think he got zombies. I don't remember white or black. They obviously weren't nearly as good as like like blue got this great merfolk, green got a great elf, and red got a great goblin. So yeah. like I do really like those. I'm glad they did that for some tribal love. And the funny thing is, is this is this is a perfect example of why I hate when people complain about tribal stuff. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, these guards are so broke." It's like you don't see it. Like nope, it's they playable see, now. They some of elves still sees no play in modern. Goblin sees very little play yep. in modern. Merfolk, this is the first time we've talked about it in a top eight. It's not very the first time it's play. top 32, but like it's been a long time since it's top eighted. Yeah. And like 
that's the beauty of tribal cards is they can be very good cards, yep. but they're very narrow. Yeah. And they just kind of help a deck that doesn't see a ton of play. Yeah. If it only helps elves, that's okay. Right. I mean, Alice was a great example. Like that card's fucking crazy. If that card was just less narrow, it'd be fucking crazy. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, but, just all you have to do is go remove the elves text on it and it's just creatures. It you can't control. be countered. Green spells you play, which this is the the actual text, so it can't be countered. It's a one mana one one that can't be countered. Makes all your green spells uncounterable. Yep. And then for six mana, it makes creatures you control. Yeah. Any that creature would you be have potentially pretty good. Yeah. Any deck that's going to have a couple of creatures out could potentially take advantage of that. Yeah. And then you go, oh well, it's elf creatures you control. Cool. Yep. Well, that's no longer that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal at all. In fact, it sees people have played with it in green based decks, and it sees zero play anywhere. Yeah. The only the only non elf decks it sees play in are the fiend artists and elf lists. The, oh, Maverick elves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Moving along, um, fifth and sixth, we have two Crashcade lists. Uh, we'll take a peek at both of these. See, if there's anything that kind of differentiates them, pulls them apart from each other. One Merktide. Difference there. I mean, yeah, like there's 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 a bit of a difference in the creature suite we've got going on here. So, um, like a single Merktide here or there. Um, I think one of them is running the full four of fables, wasn't it? Never mind. One's running two Blood Moon. One's got two Blood Moon in the main. Very minor differences in here. And again, this we talked about Cascade. Decks. The other has, has all three in the side. <laughs> yeah, that's got them. There's over there. So. It, it just it falls into that cascade list where like it just there's you know the number of cards that are good and cost more than two mana is low yep and they're usually all there seventh place though is another one of those decks that i don't have the ability to talk very high or very much about but I, it's super cool to see popping back up i don't think we've seen this deck in it's been a while like six to seven months uh hardened scales this is the simic version but legit well i'm sorry Simic hardened yeah, scales because it has Orvar. Yep. But like green hardened scales is here. And in like what I say, like seventh place, like did really well. And this is without the new, uh, Matt and I were talking about this. There's a new um, one in a green hardened scales coming out. I think it's a legendary, so it's a little worse in some ways, but it's one in a green hardened scales that triggers off of creatures ETBing and artifacts ETBing with the. Uh, counter so even without the bump of you know possibly fifth and sixth hardened scales hardened scales coming in and doing it yeah and um, it doesn't again it doesn't look like they got anything new it's just no, no there's nothing in this deck like is that the is, mirex new i know it's relatively new but does it do anything like super cool it makes one ones so so okay in fairness it does make one one artifact tokens so it makes one one artifact tokens which um is relevant for arcbound ravenger it's also hyper relevant for the Ozolith. Mm -hmm. Because the Ozolith does store all of your counters and you need a creature to slap them on. So yeah. in fairness, having a Mirix where you can at any point just be like, well, I'll spend, was it four mana? Make a 1-1. One, one. My 1-1's one, now an 8-8. Eight, eight. Yeah. Your turn. You're going to kill it? Cool. So, on my turn. consistent. Yeah. Having a reliable token generator just in the mana base is probably a huge boon for this deck. Um, and also... Like you were saying, because it's an artifact, it does work really well with Arcbound Ravenger math, being able to either just have one more or over the course of a couple turns, build up two or three more artifacts to make the Arcbound Ravenger go from close or to, to for sure lethal. So what am I missing? Why are they running Craig Crown Pathway? The red green pathway. 
and I can't see any red. Oh, uh, no, look at Zabaz. It's a creature. Zabaz, the Glimmer Wasp. Oh, gotcha. Cool. Yep. There, that's what I, I knew there was something, and it's that perfect sense. Got it. Yep. Now, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure why you want to destroy an artifact you control, but if you're asking me why is there red mana in this deck, Zabaz has a red mana activated ability. So, yeah. I don't know. I have no idea why you It's probably do just that. a way to uh, move counters around manually, like if you have to. Oh, I guess that's true. You could, in lieu of an Arcbound Ravenger, you, you can, can just destroy your own dude and then move the counters. Yep. I guess it's a way to, like, I mean, if you and want, it, you can kill your, like, to kill a Hangerback Walker. That's a way to end the game. Like, make a Hangerback, get a Hangerback Walker in, put 10 counters on it, and then be like, cool, into your turn, kill my Hangerback Walker. But yeah, that's, jeez, Matt, you don't know what Zabaz, the Glimmer Wasp, does? Didn't have it memorized. That card was amazing when it came. Everyone was so happy. I should about have that known. It's Modern, a Modern Horizons card. Modern Horizons too. Like I, I'm disappointed in you, Matt. True. All right. Why didn't I know what that legendary artifact creature insect is? There's just yeah. some cards that shouldn't be legendary just on general principle. The bug. The bug. But it's a named bug. That's a named enemy. Sure is. And you better be careful. That dude rolling around, he might one shot you. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. The bugs in Valheim were pretty fucking real. <laughs> yeah, the death mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, those things were pretty serious. I do. So I still keep. Uh, I haven't played it in a minute. I haven't gotten a chance to play it. Like, haven't really sat down and decided. They had the Mistlands patch, so they finally made another biome. Uh huh. After the planes, which did you ever get to the planes? Like we, we kind of fucked there, around there. A I little got bit. there enough to walk in and be like, "Buzz, buzz, dead." Yeah. Fuck that area. <laughs> yeah. So there's the next thing, and apparently it's like. It makes the planes look super easy. Like it's just dialed up. Yep. So like I haven't really. It's a, it's it's the Dragon Ball Z thing where it's like power to twelve. Yeah. Power to fifteen. So I need to like at some point need to sit down and like. But Get I mean there. we're talking about basically like perfect gear, perfect food, going in there and getting your shit. Yeah. Getting fucked. Yeah. Just getting like getting your really shit kicked screwed in. in, screwed up. So uh, I haven't really gotten around to fucking around with that yet the funny thing is so what one of the things they introduced were ballistas okay that have an ai so they automatically shoot so it's like turrets you put on your base yeah, yep and they wouldn't recognize they they just shoot at anything when they first introduced them you as well yes <laughs> <laughs> great so defense like, people were just like why did you put fucking ballistas in here if they're just going to kill me. Now, I think what they did, and I could be wrong here, this could have either been a player suggestion or they added it or both, but what they were talking about was giving it a slot for an item and you put a trophy in there and it will only shoot that one enemy. Oh. So, like, you had to set, like, if you want it to kill trolls, trolls. you set this up, you put a troll trophy in there. Or and you it, set to kill deer. Yes, but it will only do that. So they made them, so they're far less broadly applicable but they also don't kill you yeah so, that's the important part yeah i don't know why we couldn't have met in the middle somewhere we're like hey uh they just don't they just kill enemies why would it i mean we're so it's a the viking uh afterlife yeah and we have automated ballistas yep. we've already left the realm of like yeah trying to keep it true to viking lore a little little extreme we're telling me we can't this ballista can't recognize friend from foe yeah or just anything that isn't me Right. Anything that isn't a fallen warrior. Well, and that's another thing that was happening is people would have like their pets because you can like breed animals oh, and that. And oh, they, no. they put up a ballista and it would just wipe out their entire stock of wolves. That were. It's just like, come on, guys. Cool. <laughs> Load save file. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So, anywho. Let's wrap this up. It's going to be quick because uh, I do yeah. want to talk about some spoilers a little bit. 
we're not going through whatever. We'll talk about some of the things coming out. Um, last up is going to be another living end list. It's it's really it's similar to the first one. It's living end. Like I don't see really anything that's different. There's probably some changes in the sideboard over here, like two Leyland of Sanctity versus three Leyland of Sanctity. There's not a lot going on over here. So pretty pretty much same list. That wrap up our top eight metagame summary. Crashing footfalls. I feel so bad. Legacy got so much today, and modern didn't. Uh, modern banned some good cards. Uh, metagame summary: Crashing footfalls, twelve and a half percent, a totally fine amount. Merktide Regent, nine percent. Uh, that like Boros, uh, Ragavan list. I think it's Boros. No, uh, um, not Boros. Um, four color. No, not four color. Jeskai. Jeskai. Jeskai Ragavan list. Uh, at six percent. Mill with six percent. Indomitable creativity with six percent. Uh, Omnath with six percent. Burn with six percent. Ragdos mid range with six percent. Living end six percent. And Merfolk six percent. A very, very wide uh, metagame summary this week for Modern. Most played cards, Lightning Bolt, Ragavan, Force of Vigor, Fury, Shardless Agent. Top creatures, Ragavan, Fury, Shardless Agent, <laughs> Endurance Grief. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just looking at the top eight, it's just like... A little overlap there. There's uh, half the top eight is Cascade. Yeah. And then top spells, Lightning Bolt, Force of Vigor, Violent Outburst, Engineered Explosives, and Mystical Dispute. Turns out if you don't pay for spells, they're a lot better. So, um, yeah, it turns out that's true. Uh, that is our metagame summary wrapped up for the week. So we got a new set coming out at some point. I have no idea when March of the Machines releases. Um, the biggest thing going on that everyone's talking about, everyone's losing their shit about, is uh, these power crep sagas. I called it. Sagas are just too fucking good. No, not that. Um, battles. We have a new card type, Matt. What do you think about the new card type battle, which I understand it a little bit better? So I will explain what a battle is. Um, it is what it does is it looks like a plane chase card and they're titled kind of similar to plane chase. They kind of all have like a lot of them have plane names on them, but you cast it for its whatever mana cost three mana and it almost always it does a thing. So it, it, it'll uh, it'll be like, hey, you know, deal two damage to a thing blah, blah, or one of them is legitimately explosive vegetation. It's three and a green search a library for two lands, put them into play tapped. Then it comes into play. You give it to um I don't know if it comes in on their battlefield, but it's you still your permanent. But you basically choose an opponent, and it's their responsibility to defend it. So I'd be like, okay, I'm playing this siege or this battle subtype siege, and Matt is the person defending it. Now, if I am able to kill the siege, not destroy it, but kill it, then I get to flip it over and get whatever's on the back. Now, uh, it comes in with a number of, uh, I think they're called defense counters. But for anyone listening to Magic, they're basically loyalty counters for a Planeswalker. So it comes in with six loyalty counters or six defense counters. And any damage will remove those. So like Lightning Bolt, Shock, and especially combat damage. That's kind of the primary way to do it is, you know, attack it. If I kill it, then I get to uh, flip it over and do the backside. So, uh, for example, I'll use the one that I know relatively well because I don't have any pulled up. But the uh, Battle for Ikoria, I think is what it's called. It is uh, Green Green X. You get to search your library for a non-human with mana value X or less and put it into play. So already, that's an amazing card. That's slightly better, slightly different Green Sun Zenith. Slightly worse. Like, that's very comparable to Green Sun Zenith. Then it comes in with, I think, seven counters on it. So you have to deal seven damage to it. If you can deal seven damage to it, you flips over and you get an 8-8 dinosaur. And it says non-humans that you control may deal damage 
or may assign damage as if they were unblocked. So it's an 8-8 that you can crash in, and even if they block it with a 1-1, you get to deal all the, or even they block it with a 10-10, all the damage can go to their face. So you have this new mechanic, kind of like Planeswalkers, or kind of like this, this like put a permanent into play, you get a, you get a buff for casting it, which in my opinion, some of them are a little under-costed, like, like one of them is just explosive agitation. Like the uh, Ikoria, for example, is just finale of devastation. Now, the top end is a little worse, and it doesn't see graveyards, so it's a little bit worse. But the cost to just go get a creature and put it into play is pretty comparable. And then you get some extra value on the backside, where if you want to commit to killing it, which you don't have to, but you can, you get another buff. You get an 8-8 that also, I mean, it's an 8-8 that makes all of your shit deal damage as if it was unblocked, as long as they're not humans. Matt, what do you think about battles? I just... (laughs) It's unnecessary, to be perfectly honest. Like, to me, that screams like they're so devoid of, like, good ideas that they're just coming up with ideas. Like, I don't, I think it's dumb. As far as, like, a from a game perspective, I think it's dumb. I, I didn't like the fact that Planeswalkers could be attacked. Like, I didn't like Planeswalkers. I still don't, I'm not a huge fan of them. I don't like the little mini game they introduce. Um, This just does more of that. They, and something that is kind of relevant add on here too. This isn't like a one per color thing. There's like, and we're like half the spoilers in. There's four or five per color, and then like ten dual color, multicolor ones. Are they bringing back plane chase or something? I don't think so. I think everything. Well, I think all these side cards are just legit invasion. They, what I'm looking at. So I go to the March of the Marines. March of Machines. Spoiler. And like, there's just a bunch of plane chase stuff. Where are you going? MTG Goldfish, March of the Machines card previews. Oh, I have no idea. I'm sorry. I'm at Scryfall. Yeah. And it's got like Stronghold Furnace. Like they're legit plane chase. So if, you know, plane, wrath, if you would deal damage or to a permanent or player deals double that damage. I have no, I haven't heard anything about whether or not like plane chase is coming back because this isn't a full plane. So maybe they're adding cards to plane chase. I think it's for commander. That's what it is. So it's March of the Machines. This is if oh. you actually click on the card. So maybe they're bringing in the commander decks. They're going to be plain chase decks. That's my fault. I did not put an ounce of attention towards the uh, commander cards for plain chase. Yeah, this, doesn't, for this, this doesn't have them like sorted. So it's just, I think it's just top to bottom, like re- from the time the spoilers have come out. Oh, and that's where you're on getting the MTG Goldfish. That's where you saw these, uh, all these goddamn companions getting reprinted. Yeah. Why are they reprinting? So okay, so this is the compa- this is the commander set, right? Why are they reprinting Lutri? Good question. Cards banned. Yeah, it's and they banned know in the only banned. format. And it was banned before it got before printed. Per- yeah, so they like they actually worked with wizards and were like, so they know that card's not legal. Um, there's some cool arts in here. Yeah, there's all kinds of shit. Like, so I'm sitting here going like you're talking about the battles and whatnot, and I'm going through and I'm like, what is all this? <laughs> this is I've been playing Magic since Tempest. And like, there's so much stuff coming out at once. I can't keep up. Yeah. And it's made me kind of lose interest in keeping up, to be perfectly honest. In my opinion, is thoroughly a net negative for magic. How much comes out within a given time period? Yeah. So like basically what I do now, this is kind of how I filter through it. I don't really pay too close attention to spoilers. And then I see what actually filters through to competitive decks and that's what i look at and focus on that yeah because you basically like, see what makes the cut and then work on that yeah it's like why do we have three different versions of like reprinted companions that see no play anywhere because they're either they either suck yeah, or like, they were banned zero people are playing umori because <laughs> umori says you can only have 
Everything in the deck is one type except for lands. You only have creatures. You only have instants. You only have sorceries. No one's playing that card. Yeah. No one's playing Luris because it's banned everywhere. <laughs> like, no one's playing uh, Karuga except for a very select yeah, bad I mean, decks. imagine you pull a, like a, a fancy Luris and you're like, hooray. Yeah, card's unplayable in almost any relevant format. Thank right. you. <clears throat> so anyway, back to what I was talking about. Yeah, so as far as battles go, like, I just, I don't know. Uh, so I'll give my perspective. I don't hate them. I don't hate them. I don't, they don't bother me that much. I think it's an interesting design space. I think it's kind of cool. Um, I like it's for the most part, they're relatively. So here's the cool thing about them as opposed to planeswalkers. They're relatively irrelevant. They don't fucking matter. Um, when you slam a plane, the problem I had with planeswalkers and I got into planeswalkers when they already existed, I got into magic planeswalkers already existed, but they were still relatively new. There was a lot of griping and bitching and complaining about how planeswalkers were this new permanent that needed answered and were difficult to answer because nothing in magic referenced them. There are permanents in ma- there are cards in magic that are very clearly in in spirit meant to kill most of the permanents that aren't a player. Deal damage to permanents that aren't players and kill a permanent that isn't a player. But they were worded without planeswalkers in mind because planeswalkers didn't exist. And so it took a long time for magic to catch up and print enough things. Like what comes to mind is like eliminate two mana to kill a cheap creature or a cheap planeswalker. Shit like that. We needed cheap, efficient ways to kill planeswalkers. This falls into the same trap of this is a new permanent type that just it no, cards don't reference. Magic came out in 1994. There's 20 or sorry, there's 30 years of magic cards that do not reference battle. Except for Tarmogoyf. <laughs> Except for Tarmogoyf. Tarmogoyf wins again. Um, Future proof Goyf. <laughs> the uh, the upside to that, or the upside to this argument is, and why it doesn't bother me as much, is unlike Planeswalkers, which I think Planeswalkers are horribly designed, the, I would change Planeswalkers immediately so that you didn't get immediate value. Planeswalkers should have summoning sickness. You need the ability to kill a Planeswalker before it does a thing because they generate value. So you're, anytime a Planeswalker resolves, they've inherently gone up in value. These don't do anything. This permanent just sits on the battlefield it can be ignored. It doesn't matter. Now, most of these cards are costed such that I don't think they're playable, which is fine. Some of them are kind of playable, but the permanent they create, while just inherently is better than explosive vegetation, like explosive vegetation is just worse. Uh, it might hit like forest. Maybe you can get dual lands with it, but for standard, it's just worse than this new card because it makes a thing and that thing turns into something else. Um, the uh, the Ikoria one is just worse than Finale of Devastation because it doesn't hit your graveyard and you don't have the pay 12 mana win the game clause. But like it for most for most games where it's relevant, it comes in, it does what it needs to, which is goes and gets a creature and puts it into play, which is what the other one did and made it good. And then after that, there is just a thing around and that thing is extra value and that is just better. And I don't like that. But these aren't like planeswalkers where if you cast invasion of Ikoria and it's over here and like if you're not going to you don't have to attack it and I don't have to care about it. Now, if the game starts to revolve around it, that's kind of okay because if the game revolves around this permanent that you have gotten for free with your card, what that means is I have gained some amount of life because now you are dedicating resources to killing this and not me. You know, if if you do oh, invasion of cure has cure uh, I Ikoria has six defense counters. 
So when you cast Defensive Ikoria, if at any point during the game you decide that you need to kill Defensive Ikoria, I just gained six life. So in exchange for you getting a pseudo free permanent for your spell, I gain six life. That's pretty relevant. Otherwise, you cast a spell and then create a permanent that does nothing and counts for the most part towards nothing. So that's why I don't find them that egregious or that terrible because they, well, they are making, like we, we are, they are making permanents that could be counted towards something and they are a thing that later could be used to get value. You, it, it gets destroyed or you attack it down. If you're not attacking it down, then I haven't gained anything from it. And so the permanent is irrelevant or you are attacking it down and I've gained life. And most of these have a decent amount between almost all of them have uh, four or more. There's a handful that have three, but for the most part, they give you four to six life. If, if, if your opponent decides that killing the battle is relevant. Now here's the problem. And it's the same argument we've made about all of these that's in these battles. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, the funny thing is, the exact same, basically the same argument is what people talked about when Planeswalkers came around. Yep. Because, like, yeah, they saw play in standard, but they didn't really see play. The original five Planeswalkers didn't yeah. see really any play. They were terrible. Because, like, back then they were powerful for standard, but, like, yeah, even Ajani didn't see any real play. It was basically no. Garouk, Liliana, and uh, Jace. Yep. And even, even they had, like, strong, they were... They were very weak compared to like modern. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just like, I look at this and I go, cool. This is exactly how they sold Planeswalkers. And I think overall the game is worse because of Planeswalkers. Uh, So this is one of those like, we'll see you in five years. Yeah. Once once the Ragavan of Battles gets printed or the Oko of Battles gets printed. We even have a modern, uh, not modern, the format, but a modern example of this in Sagas. Where like yeah. sagas came out and they kind of sucked. Yep. And nobody really played them because they kind of sucked. And they were like, you know what? We should make those a lot better. And yep. then they printed like several that were just fantastic. And now yeah. Fable the Mirror Breaker is a multi-format all-star. Yep. Because Oh, I agree. It's 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 upsetting how good they made those. And they, they made them by stapling a permanent on the back. The whole premise of Fable or of of uh Sagas. Sagas was you cast a thing. You get some value, you get some value, it goes away. And then they got rid of the goes away part. They yep. introduced a permanent to it, a lasting permanent, and now it's a problem. Yeah. So. And, and the problem with Fable is it makes multiple permanents. Mm-hmm. And so these are in that same vein where you cast a spell and then it creates a permanent. It does. And it's about abusing that permanent or the or the permanence it creates. Yep. And the so now I don't know or even think this will go anywhere, but that one we talked about where it searches out a creature. Like you said, you grab Vampire Hex Mage, remove the counters from that thing, and now all of a sudden you have your 8-8. Yes. Like, there's literally already ways to circumvent the, oh, I had to go through combat to get this effect. Yeah. So... Yeah, you, it can be done. Uh, I haven't looked up the, any of the rules for this. Do you technically control the battle, the the card? Dude... Because that does matter. I don't think that I don't think any rulings have even come out yet. Gotcha. And that if not, that's fine. It doesn't really matter. But it's just one of those things that does matter as to how breakable it is. So here I will read the <laughs> reminder text for it. As a these are all called these are all these are battles, and then like I, the battle is their type, and then siege is like their subtype. So it's like creature elf. Yeah. Um, in case I'm getting the wording wrong, because I'm not a judge. So as a siege, these are all sieges, enters the battlefield, choose an opponent to protect it. You and others can attack it. 
when it's defeated, exile it, then cast it transformed. So that's actually relevant too, is you do cast the backside. Yeah. Um, and so so like, you do get a second chance to like counter or whatever. Yes. Um, so like, for example, I'm looking at invasion of Muraganda, four and a green for a six um, defense counter uh, battle. Mm-hmm. When invasion of Muraganda enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Then that creature fights up to one creature you don't control. So this is an uncommon. So it's a five mana fight spell. Pretty bad. Then if you can get those counters off of it, which presumably, it, I mean, the way this kind of plays and a lot of these play this way, it comes in and affects your opponent's board in some way to make it easier for you to kill it. Mm-hmm. Then it flips into a 4-4 four, four with at the beginning of combat on your turn, another creature gets plus two, plus two and loses all abilities until the end of turn. So turn something into a frog that gets plus two plus. Well, not a frog because it has its power and toughness, but loses all its abilities and gets plus two plus two. And that 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 creature gets cast. So interestingly enough, though, so I'm guessing it's so that's a creature on the stack. But like, what's its CMC? I'm guessing it keeps the CMC from the front because there's no CMC on that card. Mm-hmm. And things like disdainful stroke. So like, can I disdainful stroke the primordial plasm? And can you fatal push primordial plasm? For reference, I'm sorry. Primordial Plasm is what it flips into, the 4-4 on the back. There's a lot of questions on this stuff. I mean, like, this is this has been a wild ride of people trying to figure out what the fuck's going on with this. I'm sure Planeswalkers were the same thing when they spoiled their first Planeswalker, and it's like, wow, how does this work? There's tons of questions. I don't think any, I don't think a lot of rulings have, like, they don't post a lot of rulings and judge calls on stuff until the set's released. So there's still a lot of kind of, like, figuring stuff out. The biggest judge ruling or... I believe rules interaction that has been confirmed is you cannot destroy them. And so destroying a, or sorry, sorry, you can destroy them, but that doesn't remove the counters. They just go to the graveyard. So you can't cast invasion of Muraganda and then assassin's trophy it to flip it right away. It just, I believe you just, it's just gone now. And that's, that is some counterplay you have as a player where if I, if I make you protect it, you could let me commit a bunch of resources to it and then beast within it. You'd have to be able to destroy target permanent. Presumably, if I go through this entire list, there's probably things that say destroy target battle. But you do have the counterplay of letting me commit resources to it and then just destroying the battle. Yeah, this this is the kind of mechanic I could have seen if it was like kind of like Monarch or uh, the Undercity where it was like an EDH thing. Uh huh. Because like it seems to make way more sense in EDH. It does where we can all get together and go, hey, you know. We need to do a thing on the back of this card, so let's all attack it and try and get it right. done. Because you design them differently, like you could, I don't, I don't, like you could make them kind of like a group hug thing. Yeah. So like I get this cool effect, but then it, when it, it flips, it, we all get this thing. Yeah, like that kind of thing. That I think would have been cooler, or you, something like that. But as far as like introducing it as like a permanent card type, that kind of thing, I don't know. I also I've just been scrolling through this. Now there's enchant planeswalkers that give them plus abilities. Elspeth Talent, four mana, Enchantment Aura, Enchant Planeswalker. Enchanted Planeswalker has plus one loyalty, create three one one white soldier tokens. And then whenever you activate a loyalty ability of Enchanted Planeswalker, creatures you control get plus two, plus two in Vigilance until end of turn. Ugh. Cool. That's complicated. Um, and, and we have had the ability to enchant or attach to Planeswalkers a little bit already. Like we had uh, that sword. It's like I you remember you know what I'm talking about. There's a sword. It's an equipment you can enchant to, you can equip to a planeswalker and it, it makes a planeswalker a creature. Oh, gotcha. It's a creature which yeah. still has all the abilities and its power and toughness are equal to its loyalty. I just I don't know. 
yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. Is like it's, it, there, there's a lot of weird stuff going on right now. Matt hates it, which is fine. I, I don't. I wouldn't say I hate it. I just to me the biggest thing is like I just look at this and I go why. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I def. I don't have nearly as much animosity towards it, but it is. Um, I'm not. I don't necessarily like them, and it's is one of those. You know, it's that slippery slope. Like uh, Wizards does it pretty consistently. I believe they did the same thing with uh with um equipment when they first came out. Where equipment came out, they all sucked a lot, and then they went a little too far. <laughs> Except for a couple <laughs> real good ones. Yep. yep, they went a little too far, and they kind of dialed it back, and they started to kind of figure it out eventually. And in my opinion, the equipment have gotten too good again, where we were up to like w- one, either the equipment auto equips two, it makes a, a creature sometimes a two, two or three. It, um, or it is a creature. Mm-hmm. So I, I forgot my line of thought, but yeah, or it just is a creature. So like not in love with all that kind of stuff. And you know, I, the same thing happened with sagas where sagas came out and they were okay at best or bad. And they kind of crept up, crept up. And now we've got some real mainstays that are seeing play in fucking legacy. That's yep. how good they are. So, and like, obviously over the year, it's been 30 years, like stuff's going to get added and whatnot. I just, the battle thing to me just seems like it's just mediocre at best. Like it, like planeswalkers, it was a little, this is a strong, a really strong word, but it was a little blasphemous in yeah. the magic sense when oh, they absolutely. came out. We're like, Hey uh, dude, I'm the planeswalker. Yeah, that's the premise of the game is we are planeswalkers fighting, but like it at least kind of made sense. Cause it was like, well, I mean, everybody, everybody's like make an Urza card. Like that was a huge thing. It has, I mean, that's one of the reasons why Urza is like just not only insanely powerful for modern horizons because duh, he is, but like super popular. Like yeah. those characters just hadn't really been cards officially. There's a, there's a card called blind seer, which is basically Urza. Um, from way back in the day. Uh, and there's been a couple other like stuff where they kind of come close to it, but like people wanted to see those cards. So like there was at least some demand for like, Hey, there's planeswalker characters, but you never make their cards because they have to be creatures. But it's like, well, like this blind seer guy just sucks and he's not very representative of Urza. Who's like basically a God. Yeah. So like there was at least some like, but this is just, I don't know. I could be wrong. They could be super fun to play. I, uh, but it's one of those things. It's gonna if you're playing them, it adds um a, a, a little extra sub game to the game. They are cards that have very well, I don't know. Like they don't have a lot of counterplay, <clears throat> but you get to block for them. So maybe it does have a little. Maybe maybe that counts as counterplay. Like I don't know if repurposing combat counts as counterplay, right? Because like I get to yeah, I get to block them, and that that will create interesting situations where it's like. You know, I'm at six and then you're, you know, you're doing three and three. Like, do I, do I block my life? Do I block the saw this? So there might be some interesting counterplay, but it is one of those things that it's a permanent that is somewhat hard to interact with. Although there is a lot of destroy a permanent or bounce a permanent. So it's not impossible to interact with, but it's not super easy. Yeah. Like, I think right now your premium going to be like destroy target permanent is going to be like void rend, which is three mana or sorry. It's, it's three colored mana. Like. There, yeah, there's a in, in modern you have like I think they reprinted Vindicate, so it's modern legal. Yeah, you got Vindicate. You got Vindic- Vindicate, right, anguish, anguish unmaking, unmaking, void rend. Um, depending on how it works, prismatic ending, permanent. Yeah, and prismatic ending is permanent. And so, like, you've got potential to snag it with that, depending on the CMC, smaller the ones. Card. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you could. But, um, I, I, no, I said I'm not super against it. Matt's not super for it's it. It's just one of those things where, like, I saw it and I was like. I rolled my eyes. I did yeah. like a, oh, right. Because like. I'm telling you, here's what I think. is because Plane Chase was popular. Yeah. 
don't know. Like they, they, they just, I know they're not plane chase cards, but they're so reminiscent of plane chase. The way they're formatted, they, they add a weird well, I mean, extra they, thing to the game. They came out with plane chase stuff yep. in the commander version of this set. So, so like, and yeah, I, it's like plane chase can be fun as like a fun little gimmick, but like once you've played a few games with plane chase, you're like, yeah, I'm done. Well, it's, Again, you're not playing magic when you're playing Something consistent chase. that magic players don't like is too much randomness. Mm-hmm. And there's because there's, there's a lot of randomness in magic already. And like you start throwing in too many more doses of randomness, and most players, especially at a competitive level, don't like it. Well, the big thing is you don't feel like you either won or lost the game on your own merits. Yeah. Like when the game gets won by like, oh, he rolled a 20 on turn three. Right. Because he played he played a shitty three drop. That rolled a twenty and a five percent chance of like I'm so far behind now. Yeah, well, that that's one that's, of the things that came out with those like D and D cards where you started rolling yeah roll D twenties to get the effect and whatnot. It's like oh cool, he just well, has a five percent chance to win the game when this dragon attacks. That's one of the reasons I think Ragavan is so hated. Like Ragavan introduces so much randomness of like well he attacks makes a treasure that's pretty good, but then it's like oh and he flipped one of the best cards in my deck. Yeah, cool. Now I or not only is it random but it's also taking other people's cards which people also freaking hate. hate but like oh he took my win con i can't win the game now because he happened to flip the card i needed yep like this interjecting too much randomness into the already random game of magic people are relatively unappreciative of and plain chase is just a fuck ton of randomness and those cards are not balanced in the slightest like they're they're fun for a wacky little adventure type things but like i i've never played a third game of plain chase and enjoyed it uh-huh. Like I've done like one and I was like, yeah, sure. Let's play again. And then I did another. What, and by the time that second one ended, I was like, yeah, I'm done. what happens all the time in my opinion is we'll get to, we'll play whatever. And we'll hit, to, we'll hit a crazy plane on Matt's turn and it's just, something crazy fucking happens. And then you get a crazy bonus. Uh, Mike gets a crazy bonus and then Alex rolls away from it and we didn't get any bonus. And it's like, oh, we're like three turns behind now mm-hmm. because they got to play. They started the game. They started their turns with fucking doubling season up or or whatever or yeah like a mana doubler mana doubler up and then and then you can roll and get i don't know you add 10 mana to your pool so we're all rolling to try and get that 10 mana and alex alex accidentally rolled away so we just have regular mana now yep cool a lot of variants yeah and that's just that's yeah were there any cards you wanted to talk about that you've seen i know you scrolled them a little bit i'm not baiting yeah. here was there um, anything that you thought was something worth talking about there's a kithkin it sucks but there's kithkin and that's cool uh, Kithkin is my probably my second or third favorite tribe because they're basically hobbits. Um, there's some cool art, yeah. But like as far the only, the one card I did see that it caught my eye, and it's not in my opinion what I would say is a good card. But there's Infernal Sovereign. Um, Recycle was one of my favorite cards to play during back in the day, and then they remade it in black in uh, the Time Spiral block. I can't remember which set it was. It was the one basically where they took cards and they uh, color shifted them. Uh, so I think it was the second one. Was that Planar Chaos? I think so, yeah. Um, so they basically, there was two, ver- it was in that, I've got it in my uh, Moldrotha deck, where you skip your draw step, and then whenever you play a card, you get to draw a card. Okay. And that's what this guy does. He's a 6-6 six, six flying trample, skip your draw step whenever you play a land or cast a spell, you get to draw a card, but you oh, lose sweet. a life. So that card just, it's cool, it's recycle. Yeah. L- losing the life is a little rough, because like, Originally, you didn't, and losing a life obviously puts a hard cap on how many cards you can do with uh-huh. this with. But it's also stapled to a six-six flying trample, so presumably the game's going to end a little quicker. So yep, yep. Um, that's I don't think it'll see any play anywhere, like any real play. It's just kind of a fun card, reminiscent of some of the cards I enjoyed back in the day. Um, I'm 
I'm hoping the spoilers are complete and that my Mana Crypt and Soul Ring did not get reprinted as uh, inventions. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we're done spoiling inventions. <laughs> yeah. Um, the inventions still look cool. So like Shram and Baral look great. I really like that card frame. I think it actually does look cool with the colors on there. So like the blue or the white trim looks uh-huh. great. Uh, as far as specific cards, I haven't. Um, I've literally, I've seen like four cards. Like I, I have not, nor will I go through this entire list and read every single card. Yeah, like I'm I very said, much I, like you where there is so much product. I just, I let, I let people that are more dedicated than me test them all out and see which ones stick in the formats. Yeah. There was one that looked kind of fun. Um, it was, uh, that Rog's name, get Rog and, Oh, get Rog and Thalia. Like I so, actually, so that's something I actually do really like. Like I do like the, the team ups, the team ups. I think that's cool. So like Thalia riding around on Gitrog is that's fun to me. So like I liked that. I have no issue with that at all. I think it's super cool. It leads to some awesome designs, yeah. some awesome art. Like I, Thalia riding around a giant fucking frog horror is just funny. I think a lot of people saw that as very campy and silly, and I think it's really cool. I think it's really neat that you're having these like dynamic duos pairing up to fight for the multiverse. Yeah, and it it kind of it 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 reminds me a lot of like Avengers. So where it's like, hey guys, you know. Thanos is invading. We need yeah. to set aside our differences. It doesn't it's, matter that you're a frog or and I'm it's a human. all hands on deck. Yeah, no, like we got to like, resist the Phyrexians here. Like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And like we're all friends against the Phyrexians. Yeah. So like, for example, Thalia in the Gitrog in the Gitrog monster, four mana, uh, one in Abzan for a four, four first strike death touch. So on the metrics, it's not bad. Yep. Uh, you can play an additional land on each turn. Great. Uh, creatures and non-basics, your opponent's control enters the battlefield tapped. Great. So, like, currently you're basically sitting on uh, Gitfrog, and then it's a little different. So, whenever it uh, attacks, sacrifice a creature or land, then draw a card. So, it doesn't have the in, the obscene combo potential that Gitfrog did. Yeah. <laughs> but that to me, that would be a really fun commander. Like, I don't know. I would enjoy that. Yeah. So. I agree with that 100%. I, think I, I do like the team-ups. The team-ups are cool. Um Sword of Once and Future. I think we talked. You and I talked about that one. Yeah, it's, that's a cool card. Yeah, um, it's okay. It's not. It's not as powerful as some of the swords have been, but it's okay. Yep. And the thing is, I'm fine with them not being as powerful as some yep. of them have been. Yep. That's. I'm okay with that too. I think. Um, I'm curious to see if Ren and Realmbreaker will see any legacy play. That card's got potential. Uh, three mana for four loyalty is kind of like to me. That's one of those like, hey, this is a red flag for this might be legacy playable. Yeah, it's. A three mana planeswalker, you think about it, but like it doesn't do much. Um like it fixes your mana. Okay. In certain land based decks, like like grindy lands, that kind yeah. of thing, I well, can see the I can see it seeing play. I don't so, think it's gonna see broad play. So I like the argument I heard and I agree with it is like we can agree that if you if you get the emblem, you win. Unless you lose right away. Like if you're in any kind of a grindy or mid range yeah. game, if you get the emblem, you win. Which is kind of funny, I never thought of this. You can sacrifice Ren to its emblem and then recast it. Nice. It's in the graveyard. Like you can get to seven, sack it. Yep. You get the emblem and then you just replay it. And then you just replay it from the graveyard. So like the emblem of you get an emblem with you may play lands and cast permanent spells from your graveyard. In a world where you have got it to seven because the game is kind of grindy or kind of mid-rangey, the game is like that. You'll never beat me now. Like that that you'll never get ahead of me on this. Um, it comes in and pluses one to make a target land you control into a three three elemental creature with vigilance and hexproof. And haste until your next turn. So uh, it doesn't untap it. So if you can play this with four mana, 
then you get to have a blocker, a decent blocker. A 3-3 blocker that uh, strip mines yourself isn't the best, but it's okay. Uh, milling, minus two, mill three cards. You may put a permanent card from among them into your hand. Something relevant there. From among the milled cards. Yeah. So you don't mill three cards and then put a permanent back in your hand. It's You basically look at the top three cards. You can put one of those permanents into your hand and the rest of them go to the graveyard. That's okay. Um, the ultimate wins, but like ultimates probably should win. Uh, although this one does ultimate, and it takes four turns to ultimate it. It comes in, it takes three, comes in up to five because it comes in at four, up to six, up to seven, ultimate. Four turns to ultimate. And then lands you control, this is a static, lands you control have the ability to add one mana of any color. So it has chromatic lantern on it. Or your lands have chromatic lantern text. Yep. I don't think it's that good. I don't think it's that bad. Um, I don't think it's bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think it's that good. I think it's okay. It's it's one of those cards that, looking at those abilities, there's not much downside. That's very true. I don't see a ton of upside. I think the biggest thing is the upside is a three-mana card that wins the game, which... Yes. Um, and what... So we're, are we talking about... I'm talking about lands in particular. So... Do you um, mean, I'm sorry, do you mean like legacy lands? Yes, legacy lands. Okay. I, that's what I'm, that's the only, <clears throat> like. So I think it has a better chance in legacy because there's less creatures yeah, I, in general. I As far as like standard goes, no fucking clue. Yeah, Pioneer, I don't not. think there's anything in there really worth, that doesn't seem like it's got, like if it was a card from your graveyard, sure, but among the three, I don't think Pioneer has enough. Not great. Same thing with modern, and I think in modern you just run red and six and that just fixes your man anyways. Yeah. I think it could potentially see play in legacy lands. That because what this card wants you to do is it wants the game to go long. It yep. rewards the game for going long. And it gives, like, how many times have you seen Legacy Lands just boil down to, I'm going to kill you with Grove <laughs> of, the, of a Punishing Fire and Grove. And, and it's at just, one point, maybe, I think, so, I well, think. At one point, maybe, the deck doesn't really exist anymore. That's true. So, um, like, this, I, that's what I'm saying is, like, it's currently fallen out of favor. This this, this seems to me to fight for, like, the Valakit exploration spot. That's And that's that's kind of what I... We've seen a couple of these weird kind of cards you wouldn't think of right away come into play in those decks. Yeah. That's the kind of slots I'm thinking it could see play in. Because it does, it does actually push your game, your primary game plan forward. That's one of the things it does. You do want to be milling lands into your graveyard. Yes. And this does do that. Yep. So this in combination with like Life from the Loam, it does feel is loam. Very good. So you're milling six cards, and obviously you got to take turns off to like plus it and whatnot. But presumably you're using your actual cards to keep Ren to do things that would keep Ren alive in the first place. Uh huh. So I don't know. That's the that's basically the only slot I see. I don't think it goes in any sort of like turbo depths or anything like that. It I, needs the game to go long. It seems just too mediocre for the vast majority of decks in the vast majority of formats. And I don't know what deck is it's it's mediocreness doesn't outweigh its like good. It may, what deck makes that mediocreness good enough? Because like it's like I've seen some people like brush over it. I've seen some people be like, oh my fucking god, it's amazing. And like again, again, what I see is an okay ability, and I mean okay ability. Oh, your lands tap for Wooberg. Did you build your deck poorly? To be fair, in in lands, that actually does matter a little bit. Yeah, that could be relevant. That mana be relevant. is a little tight, and you <clears throat> yeah. do have lands that don't tap for mana. Yeah, a lot so of So, like, lot making of your tabernacle tap for That's relevant, mana yeah. School. But for, the, okay, so for every other deck in every yeah. other format. The, and I, I think we agree for every other deck in yeah. every other format, except for maybe standard, because yeah. it's a Planeswalker if, in standard. But, like... If you're playing this to make your lands tap for Wooberg, build your mana base better. 
or build your deck better. Like, I mean, like that's probably a distinct deck building choice you need to work on if your deck needs Chromatic Sphere or Chromatic Lantern to work. Making a creature, making a land into a three three. So basically, either this Planeswalker costs four, or um, you uh, you kind of strip mine yourself because now you have one less land this turn because you have to hit as a block. You have to hold it back as a blocker. You have now it's turn four. You have three mana. Yeah, that's, I that's, think more than likely you just don't play it on turn on curve. Well, but what I'm saying if you play it on turn four, you only have three. You're not you're not playing on curve anymore. Like this fucks your curve all to hell. If you play it on curve, it's undefended, or you play it off curve mm-hmm. and you strip mine yourself that turn you're down and now you're down a mana every turn or at least that one turn because you're holding up a blocker yeah that is also now uh like make the decision what would you rather have would you rather have your land or your ren that, like let's say i'm attacking with a three three strip mine's real yep um and, an okay mill ability and a very good ultimate but most planeswalkers have very good ultimates like ren has a very good ultimate so yeah like you're competing with ren here I see a lot of okay stuff and I don't, I, I see the argument for legacy lands. I very much see that argument. I don't see the argument for most other decks. Yeah, um, I don't either to be perfectly honest. I'm like I said, I'm right there with you yeah. for basically every other deck. Yeah. Cause like the, I mean, one of the things you have to consider, it's a permanent card from three. The top three has to have a permanent in it for you to get anything out of it. Yep. Like there's a lot of decks where that's just not going to happen. I mean, odds are you're going to hit a land. Like you'll odds are you'll probably hit a land, but like I mean, ugh, that's gonna miss some. That's That's one of the things I that I like about it in lands. Yeah, is lands runs like thirty in between thirty and forty lands. Yeah, like you'd be real hard pressed to not hit a permanent. Very low chance of missing. (laughs) Punishing fire, punishing fire, punishing fire. At that point, you're like, oh, yeah. Like the cards you hit, like that's that's gonna be another upside. Is like. The cards you hit, for the most part, the cards you hit in lands are going to be cards either Life from the Loam or Punishing Fire, where you want them in the graveyard anyway. Yeah, it's okay. Like, you're still drawing the yeah, cards. In lands, it, in lands, it's minus three, draw three cards. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Or minus two, draw three cards. Minus, minus two, yeah, draw three yeah. cards. But anything else, I, I looked at that and I was like, well, that that could see play in lands. And then I'm like looking at it yeah. and I'm like... I don't know, like, it's a, it could be kind of a cool EDH card. People do run... The thing is, it's not even... So, like... If you're running double green, let's just say for EDH, yeah, you're probably running a ton of mana fixing anyways, and it's yeah. double green. So like chromatic lantern is colorless, so yep. it actually fixes your mana when you couldn't otherwise fix it. Uh-huh. If you have green mana, you could just cast rampant growth. <laughs> yeah, you you probably you should build your deck better and just not to mention cast chromatic ramp. lantern also taps for a mana it does it does ramp you <laughs> it does ramp this you card as well. does not ramp you yes and like you discussed it kind of anti-ramps it you does. a little bit if your plan is for it to like a planeswalker in modern days kind of has to protect itself which it does but it protects itself by taking one of your lands away well it's easy to protect it jake you just don't cast it that's yeah <laughs> it's very safe in your hand yeah to me i would look at this like i said it's a super grindy card I would look at this as like I'm not going to cast this till like turn five and have a way to protect it. Yeah, and then I have, have a like, board presence. I have a board presence already, and then I'm casting this as a double spell type of turn rather yeah. than I'm going to you know I'm going to on land turn one land war elf turn two ren and cool, that's now a, it's dead. That's a really valid play pattern, and that is not why we play three mana planeswalkers for the most part. Like that's like that's that you're right. That's probably the best way to play it. You don't play three mana planeswalkers, so you can double spell on turn five. You know what you should do on turn five? You should cast a big fucking spell. 
or Fire Fairy. Or Swing for Lethal. I mean, that's <laughs> that's what we should be doing if we're playing. I mean, Pioneer's a little different, but like if we're playing Modern Legacy on when you have five mana, you should be swinging for Lethal or winning the game. Mm-hmm. Not being like, I'm going to cast Realm Breaker and Ledger Shredder. Fuck, I missed Sequenced. Yeah. <laughs> so. Mercurial Spell Dancer. Glad to see that card didn't fucking do anything. Called that one, didn't I, guys? Yep. Card's fucking. It's not awful, but it's pretty close. It, well, it's just one of those things. Where it's it's one line of text away. Like it's it's that kind of design space where they're just like, I guarantee you. I mean, obviously, I can't like literally guarantee this, but this that's probably a card that went. They designed it. D- tip it down. Yeah, and they were like, "Wow, that's really good." Maybe a little, maybe a we're little gonna worse. Think we're gonna make this a little bit worse, and yeah. then call it good because that's yeah. one stat in one direction. That's exactly what people want to yep. do: is attack and recast stuff. So that's why I always hedge my bets, and I sit on the fence. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I think that's gonna wrap us up, Matt. Is there anything else you want to cover uh, with these spoilers and whatnot? We don't go through lists. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna read every one of these cards. Oh God, no. So well, and we never have. No, nope. so. I'm. I mean, I once upon a time I did. I used to watch spoilers. I read all the cards. I was really oh, excited. I, I meant on the podcast. Yeah, nope. Right. And we are we way too much magic comes out every year. I don't do that anymore. I so. do. Drana and Linvala are cool. Like I've always really liked Linvala. So it's a four mana for one, two white and a black, three mana flying vigilance, activated abilities of creatures your opponent's control can't be activated, and then she gets all the activated abilities oh. of all the ones that they can't activate. That's kind of cool. That's cool. <laughs> Like, I, I really like the team-ups. Like, some of them I don't really care about, but, like, I've played a lot of Linvala, and um, Drana was also a cool card. I played a little bit in EDH as well. Um, so there's there's some cool stuff in the with the team-ups. So Yeah, those are cool cards. I like those. But as we bring our episode to an end, longer episode this week. Sorry, guys, for skipping last week. But one more final shout-out to our patrons. Uh, Patreon.com, Ketchup Cartel. Hop in there, do the things. Not going to harp on that too much anymore. But uh, if you want to reach out to us, if you want to talk to us about um, any of the decks we talked about, or if you want to ask us some questions, or uh, tell Matt he's stupid, cantripcartel at gmail.com, cantripcartel on Facebook, uh, all that fun stuff, you can reach out to us. I don't, um, I'll be honest, I'm not, I have determined I'm very bad at running a social media platform, so we don't really make use of our social media stuff, but it is a wonderful way for you to contact us, for you to get information to us, and for you to ask us questions. So utilize that stuff if you would like but matt is there anything i'm forgetting not that i know of. i think you got it all well then we will hopefully see you guys next week yep have a nice night guys so i'm gonna play my fifth land and then i'm gonna cast uh this new uh this new battle card um so i when i cast it i get to go search for two basic lands and then i think i does it go on your side of the field or does it go on my side of the field? So, I, I don't want to deal with figuring that out. Uh, mana leak. <laughs> Fuck you. Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Jake and Matt chatting meta games or slinging some spells. Casting ale, sipping on blue soup and farting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time. They're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies where the brainstorms are so fearsome, so scary, so legendary. Queer and rangers crowns the sylvan libraries for when the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled carpet of flowers.
flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaur stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, thou sincerum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel.